Welcome back to Word of God. We're three English majors who have set out to analyze Supernatural now that it's done to figure out what was it supposed to be, what did it become, and how. I'm Ash, the old-time fan. My pronouns are V, Vim, Ver, Vimself, or It, Itself. I'm Emma, the latecomer. I use she, her, and they, them pronouns, and you can follow me on Tumblr at LazarusEmma. I'm Wyatt, the newcomer. I use he, him, pro- I use he, him. I use. I was going to say programs for some reason. My programs are he, him. I use he, him pronouns. And you can find me on Twitter at Topple Thrones. Uh, I forgot to plug my social media. You can follow me on Twitch at twitch.tv slash ashcommaman. And you can follow the show on Twitter at uh, word of... I'm trying to remember. Hold on. You can follow the show on Twitter and on Tumblr at word of Godcast. Yeah, thanks. As a as a preface to this episode, we're doing episodes 10, 11, and 12 today, but we're not recording in our usual time <laughs> slot because of uh, some <laughs> audio issues, issues we had. <laughs> Ash, would you like to tell this story? Sure. Okay, so I'm house-sitting this weekend uh, for a former teacher of mine, and uh, I wake up bright and early. I make myself uh, some fucking avocado toast and some fucking potatoes. And I go, okay, let's go. I had stayed up to watch all of the episodes the night before. I was fucking ready. Plug my microphone in. I find a good place for it. Did you I though? get on the call. Well, evidently I did not. Um, I get on the call, and apparently uh, my microphone had been infected with a right-wing radio talk show. Uh-huh. <laughs> and, like, the most heinous of right-wing radio talk shows. We didn't Literally catch. the worst. It was kind of hard to hear most of the time, but I did catch the phrase murdering savages, which is horrible, but also hilarious. So we could not mm-hmm. record that day. Mm-mm. Didn't matter we- where I went in the house. I put aluminum foil squeaker. What are you doing? Oh, my God. <sighs> Sorry. He's bumping the microphone. Uh, no, this is the energy we need going into this episode. <laughs> Why are you sitting there? There's no room for your fat ass there. Anyway, um, yeah, it didn't matter where I went in the house, put aluminum foil around my cord, tried literally fucking everything. It did not work. It was going to be fine. It was going to, because it didn't show up in Audacity. Yeah, but then it did. And, it got but then it Audacity. did. I literally sat down and I was like, okay, let's go. And I was like checking and it was fucking there. <sighs> You can't escape the alt-right. It snuck its poisonous fingers into your computer programs. Literally. Literally. It's it's fucking terrible. But here we are. We managed yep. to get a recording time in for this week. <laughs> Good fucking morning. I have four and a half hours of sleep. I have five hours of sleep. <laughs> I don't know what y'all's problem is. I've been asleep for like fucking go. ten hours. Shut the fuck up, East Coaster. Okay. <laughs> Let's let's talk about Supernatural, shall we? We could certainly try. Yeah, we're starting with Asylum, which is great. Yeah, we are starting with Season 1, Episode 10, Asylum. If you hear any meows in the background, that's my kitty. I'm leaving those in if they happen. Good, good. We have a special guest star. <laughs> yes, our special guest star, Squeaker, who doesn't know how to behave. Uh, so Asylum starts with a pair of cops rolling up to kick some trespassing teenagers out of an old asylum. Um, they split up. One finds the kids while the other ends up in the boiler room in the basement. Um, the cop gets the kids out and they're both back in the patrol car where we see that the other car cop, the one who was in the boiler room, I don't know if they have names. I think one of them has a name. Yeah, the um, one who the, the one who does the bad stuff, I believe, was named, but I didn't write his oh, name Oh, actually, down. both of them are named. The other really? one oh, is okay. Daniel Gunderson. He's in our co- character right. of color right. sheet as a cop. 
Daniel Gunderson is a great name. It, it is. is. It's a very good, like, cop name. Very film noir. Mm-hmm. What was the other cop's name? Oh, Walter sure. Kelly. It is in my okay. notes. I did actually write it down. Um, yeah, I'm stupid. I literally wrote cop is named and not his name. <laughs> great. I'm so great. Okay, uh, so Walter Kelly gets a nosebleed, so we know there's something wrong with him. Also, they just straight up walked into a door marked biohazard, by the way, which... Literally. <laughs> like... Hello? Not even gonna put gloves on? No. Nope. Anyway. The glo- people not wearing gloves continues to <laughs> this be a is our theme agenda. of this podcast, Somebody's gonna apparently. wear gloves this in this show. The glove agenda. <laughs> Literally. Um, so, he gets a bloody nose and they drive away. His partner literally does not notice how fucking weird nope. his, his other cop is acting. Um, Walter returns home, his wife greets him, and we find out that they've been fighting. Um, We don't know what about. Um, Then he picks up his gun and the camera cuts to the outside of the house where we see two muzzle flashes. And then we cut into Deem and... Deem. Deem. We cut to Dean and Sam in a motel. Uh, Dean receives a text giving them coordinates uh, and they surmise that the text is from John. Um, They argue about whether they should listen to John or go looking for him. Uh, Dean obviously thinks they should obey John. Sam wants to know where the fuck their dad is. Yeah, I think Dean said, I wrote down Dean says, who cares if he wants us there, it's good enough for me. And then he says, dad's telling us to go somewhere we're going. Yeah. Then we next see uh, Gunderson, the other cop from the cold open. He's having a beer in a bar. Dean approaches, uh, posing as a journalist and asks him, you know, some kind of personal questions, uh, trying to get information out of him. Sam comes over and yells at him and shoves him, uh, tells him to stop harassing an officer. We once again get cop stan Sam. Yeah, it was a good play, though. I liked this yeah, play Yeah, they have a nice them. little bit. I like that they they used Dean being bad at lying to their advantage in this situation. Mm-hmm. I like how it was basically it's a, a good, good cop, bad cop routine, but played against the cop. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Uh, so after Sam bullies Dean away, he offers to buy Gunderson a drink and proceeds to get a bunch of information out of him about the asylum, because it's apparently way less painful to talk about your, your dead cop, uh, partner, uh, when somebody is offering to buy you alcohol. (laughs) I don't know. Um, the boys head there to check it out, but it's not active since it's the middle of the day. Uh, They try to find out more about the place, so Sam makes an appointment with the son of the former head psychiatrist, who is also a psychiatrist. The psych promises to tell Sam about the riot if he tells the psych something true about himself. This is a really good scene, and I'm sure it's really good. I'm so sad Mm. we didn't hear what Sam said to him, but also maybe it's good. I don't know. Yeah. Um. So then we next cut to. Sam coming out and telling him the information. Uh, We find out that the patients rioted and many people died. Some of the bodies were never even recovered. Uh, So Sam and Dean have to find and burn those bones. The same night Dean and Sam head to the asylum, a young couple also goes in looking to see some ghosts. Yeah, I like that they cut here to make it seem like the brother. it was going to cut to the brothers at the asylum, and then instead it's this couple. Mm Mm-hmm. This, I think there's a lot of really good, like, shots and stuff Mm -hmm. in this episode. We didn't even talk about the stupid mad scientist room they went into earlier. Fuck, <laughs> talk about, God. I'll bring that up later. Um, so the couple gets separated, and they each have their own supernatural experiences. The guy gets kissed by a ghost girl. Can't remember what happened to the girl. I don't, I think, I think, she, I think 
it happened off screen because oh, okay. they find yeah. her later hiding. That's and she's yeah. like, I saw ghosts. Um, Dean and Sam find them, uh, but can't help the couple escape because the asylum is locked down by the ghost. Uh, classic. Every time they encounter a ghost, though, it doesn't attack them, which strikes Sam as odd. Dean doesn't really notice. So the ghost told Cat room 137, Dean goes there to check it out. Sam tries to help the couple get out of the asylum. Sam gets a call from Dean telling him to go to the basement. Sam does and is assaulted by the ghost of the head psychiatrist. Um, just as Dean finds his case notes proving that he experimented on his patients. Uh, the ghost uses creepy electrical powers to brainwash Sam. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Um, who then attacks Dean when they meet up again. Dean knocks Sam out and finally manages to burn Dr. Ellicott's bones. Uh, they then have half a conversation about their feelings and the episode ends. I mean, there's literally the, what I have in my notes is, do you want to talk about this? No. <laughs> literally, yeah. We gotta go over that that Sam versus Dean scene. In oh yeah. yeah, I have a lot of notes a great on this deal of detail. <laughs> couple couple small things before we get into the deep shit here. Uh, first of all, that mad scientist room that's around like ten minutes in when they go to the uh, asylum for the first time is fucking ridiculous. There's a decapitated doll on the table for some reason. Literally. There's what looks like a heart in formaldehyde. There's like shit all over the table. There's like a big stupid electric machine and like a chair that you would strap people into. It is absurd. It's ridiculous. It's like a 1930s like serial. It looks like Dr. Frankenstein's going to walk on screen. Mm-hmm. Um, also, this whole episode was shot um near a uh in an actual asylum um that i drive by constantly whenever i go visit my grandparents <laughs> it's the uh it's the uh it's the riverview mental hospital uh in um in yeah it's the riverview mental hospital in coquitlam and i want to shout out here the uh the live journal SBN locations which is mm. someone has done an incredible amount of work documenting a vast number of the filming locations of the show. It's great. I will probably continue to use it because it's fun as someone who lives in Vancouver, seeing all the places where this, uh, Oh, my other, my other note for that section is, uh, they reference two um, two previous events where someone was possessed, uh, and mm. like hurt people that they loved for apparently no reason, uh, which are two actual things that happened in real life. Uh, Amityville and the Smurl haunting. Um, Amityville was a, a thing that happened in Amityville, Rhode Island, I think. Um, in the late 70s, a man shot all six members of his family. Uh, and then the house where that happened is, is said to be haunted. Uh, there was another family who moved in and reported a lot of the, like, fucked up haunting things. Uh... A book is made about it. Multiple movies have been made about it. The word, the phrase, the name Amityville probably rings a bell for a fair number of people as it's been spread out through pop culture. Uh, and the other thing, the Smurl haunting is a very famous alleged demon haunting in a house owned by Jack and Janet Smurl. Uh, also, apparently, this demon did a lot of fucked up stuff. Both of these accounts are, like, highly sensationalized. Uh, both of them had books written about them. Uh, both of them are kind of controversial in terms of how much was, like, made up by the people who live there. 
how much of it was people telling stories to like make money off of it or justifying their own behavior. I have like mixed feelings about both of these being referenced. Like on one hand, they're very famous things. It makes sense that they're being referenced. On the other hand, I don't know. It feels slightly like not irresponsible exactly, but it feels like they're legitimizing the claims that are made here by saying that like, yes, this was a demon and I don't know. I don't know how I feel about that. I mean, in-universe, it almost certainly was, right? Like, there are real things. And I don't think that the audience is going to walk away from this episode thinking, okay, so it was a ghost. Like, that's simply not how real people approach fiction. No, I know. I know. So, like, I see where you're coming from, but I also think, like, they're allowed to do it. No, yeah, I'm not saying they're not allowed to do it. I just have mixed feelings about, like, this actual, saying that this actual man who shot the six members of his family for reasons that probably were not related to demonic possession. I mean, we touched on this in episode two for one, four phantom traveler. Yeah. And they also brought up real disasters mm-hmm. in that case though. See, okay. The difference for me is in that case, it was a crash and then a haunting that came out of that and go like for ghost stories. That makes more sense to me, I guess of like, this is a horrible thing that happened and the haunting is like metaphorical in a way of people remember this and it was a terrible thing and ghosts or ghosts are a metaphor for tragedy in that way whereas this is a saying that the reason why this man killed his family is because a demon took control of him feels like it gives that man a certain degree of like gives them gives them an alibi sort of yeah like when people when people blame um the devil made me do mass it. Mass shooters being, you know, mentally ill or whatever and saying that that's why they did it rather than violence uh, mm-hmm. caused by societal influence. Um, yeah. It's yeah. not that big of a deal. It makes sense that the show uh, references yeah. them, but I just wanted to bring that up. Like Emma said, it makes sense for the show. In universe, like, it probably is true, but it does it does leave kind of a funny taste in your mouth. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, like, imagine if they had said 9-11 was caused by demons. Yeah, like, exactly. That would have been fucking weird. <laughs> And I'm not even saying it's bad necessarily. It just gives me it, it's mm-hmm. it's like a personal thing for me at the it's, very least. It's weird. Yeah. No, I get I get what you're saying for sure. Um. Okay. Shall we go chronologically now? Yeah. Sure. Um, Sorry. If there were okay. things before that, those were just the first things chronologically no, for um, me. No, you're fine. I have a note that um they point out that one of the cops is not a local and therefore has a reason to be told the legend of this place, which is nice expository dialogue. Um. I, we also get a list of some of uh, John's contacts when the boys are trying to reach out for oh, him. Yeah. So they've called uh, Caleb Jefferson and Pastor Jim. Pastor Jim um, gets brought up later on. I uh, I totally forgot to note those down, but I did. We get more juicy phone names in the next episode, uh, which I did write down. Um, I thought this cold open was really funny. Uh. <laughs> At, at points, like, some of the camera movement is really dramatic. Like, there were a couple, like, weird stutter shots that were just, like, so much. Like, you already have the asylum atmosphere. Yeah. You don't have to make it more horror by doing the stutter shot. Like, it's just, it's dramatic. Um, so I, I, like, that was really funny to me. The bit where Gunderson found the kids also was very funny. Of Just, like, all three of them pressed up against this table, and they didn't yeah. say anything. It was, like... <laughs> And it lingered on them for a moment. It was a weird scene. Also, those kids have, like, literally the nicest car I've ever seen a teenager have. I forgot about their car. Like, it was like a Mustang or some shit, like... Well, they've got to be privileged enough to think that hauntings don't apply to them. 
Clearly. I mean, they brought bolt cutters. They did, didn't they? Yeah. It's their fault this whole shit went down. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. I also noticed that there were a lot of shots through windows, and that's kind of continued throughout the show. Um, Or throughout the episode. The, like, either... You know, a flashlight shining through a window as someone comes past, like comes past or something. But there's a lot of um, shooting the scenes through the window, um, which I think is really cool. Uh, just in general, like it. First of all, it gives the the fe- the sense of the characters being watched. Um, but also, it it's like a kind of, I guess, metaphorical. It's it's like a metaphorical uh, gauze over. I don't know where I'm going with this, but, like, it was good. <laughs> That's all I got. It's a nice technique. It's a cool technique, yeah. Also, right, because I haven't brought it up for the actual... I brought it up to, y- to y'all off mic, but uh, when the brothers are sneaking into the asy- asylum... I keep calling it asylum. I don't know why. Um, when they're sneaking into the asylum, uh, Dean does a sick flip over the fence, and it's great. I love Dean. He's so competent King. this episode. He is. He, for he truly is. Like, he did such a good job with this case. It's because he's using it to repress his emotions. It's true. Mm-hmm. The more the more repressed you are, the more powerful you are. This is, this is a known thing. <laughs> uh, if we're talking about Dean repressing his emotions, uh, I have lots of notes about Dean in this episode, as usual, uh, where he says mm-hmm. about John, I love the guy, but... Just an interesting phrase to apply. Uh, it also comes mm. out that apparently he told Sam about calling John for the um, the case last episode of Home, right? He called John and didn't pick oh, up. Yeah. So apparently he told Sam about that, but off screen. So that's the conversation I want to have seen. Yeah. And then they have their arguments about whether or not to follow Dad's orders. And uh, they have a second conversation about the same thing where Dean says that Sam's, quote, attitude is why, pause, Dean always got the extra cookie. Like, he was going to say something else there and then decided to turn it into a joke about how he was the favorite, mm. which is obviously not how Dean approaches the relationship between the three of them. So he's mm-hmm. completely deflecting so that he doesn't end up saying something awful like, why you got kicked out. Mm-hmm. Damn, that is a nice car. Yeah, seriously. We'll <laughs> Sorry post, for the we'll non-sequitur. Post the <laughs> we'll post, post the, car. the car. Yeah, it's very nice. Um... I guess it is, you know, privileged white teenagers breaking into an asylum. So I guess if anyone's going to have a nice car. It looks like a two-seater and there were three of them, but it might be one of those. It might be one of those where you can, like, squeeze into the back and there's only two doors. I don't know. Yeah, probably. It doesn't matter. This is super relevant. (laughs) Somebody who knows cars will give us the make and model. Yeah. Um, Look at him go. Look at him go. Um, Uh, While we're talking about Dean and repression... Uh, Dean uses the phrase "don't ask, mm-hmm. don't tell" to refer to Sam's psychic powers. Oh. So yeah, I wrote yeah. that down too. I have the Wikipedia page open so that I can use like actual important phrases. Uh, "Don't ask, don't tell" was the official United States policy on military service by gay men, bisexuals, and lesbians instituted by the Clinton administration. Uh, Def- Permanent Defense Directive one o three one three o four point two six nineteen ninety three until two thousand eleven. Uh, so it was prohibiting military personnel from discriminating against closeted gay people while barring openly gay people from service. So don't ask, mm-hmm. don't tell, meaning you can be gay, but you can't tell us about it. Mm-hmm. And we won't ask. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, it might not be a deliberate reference to that because that's also just a phrase. It is but just a like, phrase, yeah. but the it, fact it that a... Dean himself is the one who says it. Yes. Mm. No, yeah, and it's very, like, if you look it up, that's all you get. Like, it's very famously about that, so. Mm-hmm. And since this took place in 2005 or six, depending what episode we're up to, yeah, uh, it was still in effect. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. And Dean would probably be very aware of it. Well, yeah, because, like, their their dad was in the military, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. And I'm sure he knows a lot of hunters who are also in the military, yeah. or who were. And, like, he left the military before this was a thing that was implemented, but but still. Mm-hmm. They're, um, like, connected to the culture, anyway. Yeah. He, if he's Since he's wearing a Marines shirt, you yeah. know that he still kind of considers himself part of the army. Also, before before he says, don't ask, don't tell, he says, let me see if you see any dead people, Haley Joel. Mm-hmm. Do you make so many pop culture references this episode? Literally there's a, there's a Yoda so reference at the start of this, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, the dude writes, like, freaking Yoda. Yeah, yeah. He, he, in the span of that conversation in the hallway about the, J- Sam's psychic powers, he literally makes, like, at least five references. Uh, on that note, this episode was written by Richard Hatem, who... Also wrote one of the other episodes we've done already, but I can't remember which. Oh, he's a Phantom Traveler. And he is the co-executive oh. producer. This this, uh, this guy likes writing about ghosts. Oh, actually, wait, Phantom Traveler wasn't ghosts. What am I talking about? This guy likes writing about possession. Yeah, mm. clearly. Hmm. Hmm. I would love to study you. <laughs> um, kind of circling back, in the bar when uh, Sam and Gunderson are talking, I think it's Sam and Gunderson, um... There's a lot of, uh, I think Walter Kelly's um, possession crime hits a little bit different in 2021. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Um, like, Gunderson calls him a good cop. Yep. Uh, the fact that he murdered his wife and then committed suicide. Uh, putting all of that into context with, like, the statistics about domestic violence among police officers. Um, and the whole everything about cops in general and their uh, societal excuse for violence. Um, excuse doesn't seem like the right word, but the way society kind of encourages and excuses uh, white supremacist violence. Um, yeah, the, uh, <laughs> not that police brutality was not a thing in 2005, 2006, but it was not as much in the public consciousness, I think. At least not among uh, white people who were primarily the people doing and viewing yeah. the supernatural. Uh, so, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it's just, it's it's definitely, and it's kind of the same thing that Wyatt was talking about earlier with Amityville and Smurl, um, where, like, I think if this episode came out now, yeah, it would probably garner a lot of criticism because it would it would feel like excusing actual domestic violence um, as, you know, cops not being in their right mind or whatever. Uh, but that's probably not the intention. I just yeah, wanted to bring that up because I think it's really important. I think it's less bad, at least intentions-wise, in this context, yeah. context because it's like, yeah, I mean, people get, like, possession is a thing that exists in this universe. This is not, like, a real mm-hmm. event that happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, which makes it less bad to me, but also it's still it's still not great. Yeah, just putting it into the context of, first of all, all of us being uh, anti-cop. <laughs> yeah. Um, and just with the past couple years of horrible, intense for sure, police for brutality. Sure. Uh, yeah. 
Speaking just, of which, it yeah, it's a little bit different. I've been thinking about uh, cops and uh, copaganda a lot recently because mm -hmm. I've been watching Skip Intro's extremely good series on copaganda and television that oh, start yeah. like goes all the way back to like the 1940s. Highly recommend that to uh, to people who like the kind of stuff we do in terms of uh, media criticism from a leftist angle. But but yeah. Anyway, yeah. Fuck cops. Fuck cops. Uh, hey, cab. Yep. On a different note, speaking of the difference between fiction and reality, there's a bit where Dean is talking to the little teenagers who snuck in, and he's telling her, like, haven't you ever seen any horror movies? Next time you go and you hear a ha <sighs> about a haunted house, you don't go in. Like, I wrote down That's on my notes, Dean's using mm -hmm. horror movies to teach life, le life lessons with a little heart emoji. Um... Because it's just so cute. It's so Dean. Like, he learns about life from movies, and he knows that mm -hmm. horror movies have a basis in reality in his world. So that's how he, like, makes her understand that haunted houses are real sometimes. And just a nice little tapping at the fourth wall. Like, the way we make fun of these characters for not knowing horror tropes enough to not pick up ghosts in their car. Like, he's aware of these <laughs> tropes of the genre, He's, mm -hmm. like, semi-aware that he's within the genre. He's like, don't go into haunted houses. Haven't you seen a horror movie? Yeah, this made me, uh... This made me wonder what Dean's relationship with horror movies is. Like, whether he likes them or not, or thinks they're gauche just because this is the thing he deals with in his life. I always like mm -hmm. that sort of thing where the... In, like, a modern fantasy setting where the person comments on, like, media about this thing that they're in because you can't ignore that it exists. Uh, mm -hmm. And it's all, like, the... The self, I think it's a fun way to lean on the fourth wall and be self-referential in that way because you can't ignore it, and it's fun to think about what these characters think about, like the fiction as opposed to their quote-unquote reality. Yeah, it's a nice introduction mm -hmm. to the meta narrative. Um, I think personally, yeah. I believe that it would be like, um, like coders watching programming movies. Where, like, they're tapping on the screen with the green text and everyone who's ever done coding is like, that looks ridiculous. I feel like that's what horror movies are like for hunters. Yeah, but the thing is, is, like, some people who, some programmers hate it, some think it's hilarious right. and love it. I think it would be so, mixed I reviews. Know what, I think I they would be eating popcorn uh... and yelling at the screen in a loving way. Yeah. Uh, uh... I think there's an episode oh yeah i'm sure it's gonna come up that's part of why i brought it up in that with 15 seasons of this show there's gonna be a scene where they watch a horror yeah. movie at some there's, point there's there's one episode like literally centered around like slasher movie great uh just not only as a trope but like also as the the main conflict of the episode oh, it takes so... place on a film set no uh, um, that happens well, there too. is one like Season that two. okay good <laughs> um but like the I can't remember what exactly it is, but the villain is basically a slasher villain. Right, um, okay. And I think Dean watches a horror movie in the episode, so we'll we'll come back to this yeah. when we get there. We will get some canon information on what Dean thinks of horror <laughs> movies, I think. Um, cannot believe Sam used his real name at the psychiatrist's office. Yeah. <laughs> Again, just not even thinking about the fact that the cops are looking for the for Winchesters. They're so smart. The psychiatrist is like, oh, these two brothers on a road trip with the last name Winchester. Uh -huh. mm. <laughs> like, hello? <laughs> Sam has a great bit where uh, Kat's asking about, like, why did you decide to do this with your life? And he goes, like, I had a crappy guidance counselor. I think that's very funny. It's a great look yeah. at Sam getting to be mm -hmm. sassy for once. All the interactions between the teens and the brothers this episode were great. The bit where, uh, I can't remember if it's a Cat or Gavin, but one of them asks 
uh, Sam if Dean and his is his boss. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is, and he, he's like, no. Yeah, which uh, leads into like funny. the conflict of good, this episode. Yeah, and it's good mm-hmm. setup for the for the conflict in this episode, and also for next episode. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, also, while we're talking about Cat and Gavin, I love how Cat tells him, "If we get out of this alive, oh, yeah. we are so breaking up." Honestly, uh, the thing I wrote in my boss. notes. The thing I wrote in my notes for, like, when they first uh, showed up and were, like, exploring this place, and she's like, what the fuck are we doing here? Why'd you take me here? I I wrote down, I would have broken up with him the moment we pulled up in front of a haunted asylum that I don't want to go to instead of the Mm -hmm. movie theater that you promised we were going to. Why would you lie to your girlfriend like that and then take her to the scariest place in the world? Yeah. That's that's a shitty thing to do. She deserves better. She does. She also knows how to use a shotgun, which is pretty cool of her. Yes. Go off, queen. Yeah, she does skeet shooting. Mm-hmm. She was extremely She almost shot you in the head. It was great. Good yeah. for her. Ruin that movie star face. <laughs> also, around this bit, when they're, um, when they're doing the uh, ghost hunting, um, yeah, it's at this bit. Uh, Sam says, uh, like, it's it's orbing in here. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I was going to bring that up. the first time we Which, have that uh, introduced. Yeah, I, I wrote down, if you've played Phasmophobia, you know what this means. <laughs> for people who haven't yep. played Phasmophobia, because Sam doesn't explain it, orbing is a very common ghost hunting thing. Uh, orbs mm-hmm. showing up on cameras in both pictures and uh, video cameras are often used as ghost evidence. Though probably they're just light backscattering off of, like, dust particles and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's said to be uh, smaller manifestations of ghosts. Uh, I also would like to to mention that this uh, method of ghost detection is literally never used again. I yeah. thought no, so. Yeah, I, didn't, I looked it up. It didn't feel it familiar. Was mentioned once on the wiki. <laughs> um, yeah, they literally never use a video camera to look at orbs ever. There's a, a trope called uh, early installment weirdness that I've been thinking about a lot, and it's something I love of like... Uh, it's, it's season one. They haven't figured out all the lore yet. And mm. especially for you two, I bet it's probably fun to like go back to season one and be like, oh, here's all the shit they're throwing at the wall. And they haven't figured out what sticks yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's just a pile of spaghetti on the floor. Yeah. Yeah. Lots of spaghetti. I also think it's funny that this is the same writer who wrote Phantom Traveler. Cause we talked a lot about oh, how yeah. much stuff was established in Phantom Traveler that is literally never used again. That is funny. Um, <laughs> Does 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 that writer like continue to write or do they like? I will check. Give me a second so I can click around. Because that that might have some explanations for it of like someone else comes along and counteracts this person's lore. Mm-hmm. He was a writer and co-executive producer for season one only, and he only wrote yeah, these two okay. episodes. Yep. That that kind of explains, that explains it. it. Yep. Because, like, demons didn't even have a, a set lore until, like, season two, at mm-hmm. the earliest, um, is when it starts solidifying. Uh, oh, I love I love how Sam had to go to therapy and they couldn't just go to the library. <laughs> By the way, Sam got an appointment for that psychiatrist so fast. Literally. Like... Imagine. Imagine getting an appointment with the, with the psychiatrist that easily. Literally. Didn't even ask about like, his insurance day, or anything. Maybe it was different yeah, no, back in 05. Yeah, maybe. Um, but I love how, how he he went to uh, therapy instead of going to the library. 
Yeah. Like, I'm sure a riot at an asylum yeah. that got a lot of people killed would probably be in the news. Yeah, but listen, they had to have them have that juicy com- conversation with the psychiatrist. That we didn't even get it to is. see. It's true. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so let's talk about this juicy conversation with the psychiatrist. <laughs> I like yep, how his attempts to interrogate the guy were taken as him deflecting, because, like... He's, oh yeah, he's supposed to be there to talk about himself. So why is he constantly talking about this riot instead? He must be avoiding the subject. He's so bad at it too. Oh, it was it's really so blatant. The so scene cute. is so awkward. Yeah, it's painful. Um, I I also I love as someone who's been in therapy a lot, uh, and who like has to go to their PCP for medication checkups. Like I love the so how are things. Mm-hmm. Like, that's such a stock question. <laughs> and then the response, good, you know, stuff. Like, that's literally how I talk to my doctor. Yeah, a lot of the times, like, conversations with therapists and psychiatrists in uh, shows are very, like, Freudian. People love Freud as a as a reference for, like, psychiatrists, and it always feels, like, extremely like fake to me but this felt like a this felt very genuine <laughs> this felt like a real mm-hmm. conversation with a psychiatrist it was very good by the way did we talk about the fact that the reason why sam went to the psychiatrist is because his dad was the chief of staff at the asylum i forgot if we brought we that have up. not we have not okay. spoken about yeah that. that's kind of a eh, it's semi-important yeah it's that's an why he goes that's the excuse yeah it's an interesting thing for sure i can't believe this psychiatrist was okay with talking about how his father was yeah uh, murdered yeah with this like patient that he doesn't know it presumably like, happened a really long time ago but but yeah well still. yeah when he was a kid yeah. but you know i mean i guess y- you you become a psychiatrist you kind of learn to process that <laughs> yeah maybe that's why he became a psychiatrist not Literally. to psychoanalyze this guy but all of all of my friends who went, who are going into psychology, like that's exactly why. But actually, actually, no, I am gonna psychoanalyze this guy slightly because I think it's a fun character thing of like, oh yeah, my dad, my dad who died when I was a kid, who I had like no real, didn't like get to grow up having a dad who I didn't have a real connection to. I'm gonna follow in his footsteps and also become a psychiatrist. Is mm-hmm. like says a lot about this guy and his life. Now that is Freudian. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> Listen, fuck yeah. Freud, but also like fuck Freud. The the that sort of like the, the legacy, like parental legacy, is a common thing for a lot mm-hmm. of people of like connecting with someone who's died in that way. I mean, especially in this show, mm-hmm. which is yeah, yes. especially in this so show, big yeah. on familial have, trauma. You're right. Again, banging the put put down on the bingo card familial themes. Literally. Take a shot if your um, relationship with your dad was messed up. Uh-huh. <laughs> Literally. Um, and then, so, Sam talks about how he's on a road trip with his brother. Uh, he literally goes, you know, did some fun things, met some interesting people. Oh, before that, like, the psychiatrist says, was that fun? And the most, like, like a fucking scalpel, this guy just carves right into the heart of Sam's emotional problems. And Literally. Sam takes so long to answer him, and his resp- yeah, his response, like you said, is so awkward. It's like, oh boy, buddy. This is the most competent psychiatrist I've ever seen. Yeah. <laughs> like, move over, Hannibal Lecter. Like, there is a new person. <laughs> that was to your just bar? That was the bar you had going? <laughs> <laughs> okay, I've had some pretty shitty therapists, guys. <laughs> Um, 
Yeah, so we can we we get the the vibe. I mean, we already got the vibe from from earlier in the episode that there is tension between Dean and uh, and Sam mm-hmm. about like their dad, about what they're doing, about um, their mutual repressed feelings, um, and Sam is still you know grieving about Jess. He's still dealing with all the psychic bullshit, and so this scene kind of like digs into that but like in a really teasing way because we don't actually get to hear what Sam says about his brother. Mm-hmm. Um, the psychiatrist asks, Though, like, how do you feel about your brother? We get um, hints about that later on, which is probably yeah. why they didn't have that scene because it'd be, it'd be kind mm-hmm. of repetitive after Sam getting yeah. possessed. Yeah. yeah, it's... um, And that is something that gets poked at a lot, and it was poked at in Skin, too, of like... Yeah, this episode is definitely inside. in conversation with Skin. Yeah. Like, a, a, a supernatural entity gets inside one of the boys' heads, and they use that as an excuse to exposit their character tension. So literally I force them to talk about that's going to happen a feelings. lot. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'm I wrong mean, I, about this, but... I feel like it happens at least a couple more times. I can think of a couple uh, examples. everything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so I think oh God, it's really yeah. cool that the ghost um, is causing the problems by forcing the other ghosts or forcing his patients to I don't remember if we said this during the synopsis but the ghost was the reason that there was a riot is because he was trying to apparently treat their anger problems by making them yeah. more angry and therefore venting it mm-hmm. which didn't work out and therefore they killed him um so the ghost is making is increasing anger so he goes after Sam who has all of this repressed frustration and that becomes anger and uh, they, they have a really cool conversation while Sam is in his furious trying mm-hmm. to kill Dean phase. Before mm-hmm. we talk about that, I really lo- like, as far as ghost unfinished business goes, this mm-hmm. is a thing I really liked for this, like, fucked up psychiatrist ghost. As, yeah, I like, want to talk about yeah, that. Yeah, buddy, your, well. your thing didn't work to such an extent that it got you killed, and yet you're still obsessed with it being the, the correct way to solve this problem. Like, the dude's so far up his own ass that it turns him into a ghost. Um, and also, I really liked the... I liked that the unfinished business for the uh, people killed in the riot um with this with this angered stuff is like d- take this ghost out and you put us all to rest like remove mm, yeah. the source uh remove the person who basically caused us all to die and that is our unfinished business and i like that they're not i like that they're so sad that poor mm-hmm. that poor girl who uh girl ghost girl who kissed uh gavin it's just like all these poor people just mm-hmm. got absolutely their lives absolutely destroyed by this piece of shit um mm-hmm. yeah it was a nice I version the, yeah yeah i was gonna talk about yeah, i knew you would uh thank you um because obviously the horror asylum trope is a very tired one full of ableism and mm-hmm. stigma against people with psychosis or other uh more stigmatized mental illnesses um, and Dean I leans think, into so, that. Like, there, Dean says yeah. a lot of ableist shit this episode. <laughs> yeah, he literally he says something about like the ghost of a psycho murderer. Yeah. and I'm like, oh yeah, yeah, Just yeah. yeah. Um, but I think this episode does a really good job of like um, depicting the true horror of, a, of yeah. a mental hospital, which is it's scarier for the patients than it is for the the uh, 
doctors and nurses yeah. and people who work there. Because there's this perception that people with mental illness are inherently more violent, when in reality, the way that, and this continues to this day, the way that people are treated in, in mental hospitals and in mental wards and things like that is just abominable. Yep. Um, and traumatic and abusive. And this was and in the they, 60s, so you know. Yeah. Well, and it's it's mentioned that, like, Ellicott's, you know, experiments look make lobotomies look like a walk in the park, yep. is what Dean says. Which, by the way, um, the, the uh, Riverview Mental Hospital... Um, I didn't super do my research on that, but based on the stories that uh, my mom told me about it, some fucked up stuff was done there, and, like, it's mm -hmm. closed down. It's not, like, an actual mental hospital anymore, as far as I'm aware. It's mostly just used for fil a filming location. Um, mm -hmm. And, like, it's also famously haunted. Uh, my mom mm -hmm. has a story about how she, like, went there with her friends when she was a teenager, much like Kat and Gavin did. Mm -hmm. I don't think they went inside, but uh, they went and checked it out at night. Um, and, uh, she says, she said to me, she swore she saw a face in the window as they were checking it out. Uh, and it like had a look of absolute anguish on it, on the, mm -hmm. the, the person, the, the ghost that she says she saw. So between you and the tent yeah. with your Metroid, <laughs> Metroid Prime yeah, uh -huh. and your mom going to an asylum, <laughs> maybe just being in Supernatural uh -huh. episodes runs in the family. <laughs> maybe. Yep. Um, I also think it's really important that Ellicott was was um, doing experiments to do with anger, but then the ghosts were not violent. Yeah. Yes. Um, all they wanted was not even revenge, but they wanted closure and they wanted to be heard, which is, in my opinion, an underrepresented ghost thing usually people veer more towards the violent spirits yeah um, which is fine it's you know that's fun but i also really like the idea of ghosts just wanting to be heard and uh, wanting to be able to communicate um so i think this episode like utilized that in a way that i really liked i really like this episode i like i was kind of dreading it just because of mm -hmm. that this is 2005 this is not this is if if any if if I would have expected it to lean into the bad uh, mm -hmm. asylum tropes, but it didn't. Uh, I mean, it, I feel like it had its cake and ate its uh, and ate it too a little bit. In especially uh, the shot of the ghost in the straitjacket who was just flailing around spookily. Yeah, <laughs> that was like okay, that's a little bit much. But uh, mm -hmm. it does, it, uh, in its defense, also I guess on the other hand, it is purposefully trying to set up these ghosts as scary so it can subvert that. So I yeah. don't know. I have mixed yeah. feelings about it, but in general, I quite like this episode. I also like yeah, I that think it it's was at least Sam somewhat aware was, of those yeah. tropes. I like that it was Sam who was sympathetic about this. Like this idea that he is mm -hmm. also, you know, he has his own supernatural tendencies. And so he's mm -hmm. more in tune to the fact that maybe they're the victims. You know, maybe being, being mm -hmm. spooky isn't a crime. Yeah. Um, also, like Sam is the one who notices that they don't immediately attack. Yeah. And Dean's like, well, they look pretty aggro from where I'm standing. Where Dean is like the shoot first, ask questions later, um, as usual, while Sam is more uh, posited as the more empathetic one because he has, you know, he has his own reasons to feel empathy towards supernatural creatures um, because he believes himself to be one. Uh, and that is like kind of a half conversation in this episode. Like it's kind of a sub theme. Mm -hmm. Um that hallway conversation between Sam and Dean where Dean makes all those references is very interesting. 
Um, I don't want to, like, non-sequitur over there, but I definitely think we should talk about it. Yeah, sounds good. Okay. <laughs> I just wanted to make sure there wasn't yeah. anything else. No. no. I mean, we have basically um, two conversations left to have, and it's that and the yeah. fight scene. And I have one random note that I didn't mention before, but I'll get to it. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, so it this this is especially interesting in conversation with later seasons, um, which I will not get into right now because we're trying not to spoil it. But I'm sure we will call back to this when we get to uh, season three. <laughs> and then season six, I think. <laughs> um, that was terrible radio. No, it's great. <laughs> Thanks. It'll go into my collection um, of, of funny noises you make. <laughs> I think it's season three and six, just so that we can have something for the podcast. Um, so Sam as a monster is, is a running theme for the first half of the show. Um, and I think we'll definitely call back to this. But I think it's really interesting how at this point, especially given what we find out at the end of this season... I keep getting ahead of myself. There's so much there. There's so many implications. I'm holding um, myself back so hard, and you're just running ahead. <laughs> I'm I'm trying. I'm trying. I'm reeling myself in. Um, I think it's interesting how Dean is making jokes, kind of being passive aggressive, rather than outright like this is a problem that needs mm. to be solved. Um, and that's that's all I'll say. <laughs> we'll talk about it later. Yeah, also an interesting thing to me, I can't remember if we brought up, is uh, Dean says ghosts are attracted to that whole ESP thing you got going on. Which, is that mm -hmm. true, or is that another early installment weirdness? Is this a real thing that will be a problem going into the future? I don't think it, it never gets up again. Okay, okay. <laughs> Ever. So Dean's just, fuck Dean's just lying is, I guess, my headcanon for that. He's just trying to fuck with Sam. That's a good explanation. Yeah. Or is, like, projecting, or is, like... Projecting his weirdness through this being a material problem for them rather than him just being spooked out by it. Well, hold on. If if we look at the previous episode, right, with Home 1-9, then we had the idea of, like, a site of trauma as attracting ghosts. And we had with 1-3, right. um, with um, Dead in the Water, with Lucas as his trauma gave him powers. So if you combine those two, then trauma could give you powers and attract ghosts, which might be what Dean is getting at. That's true. That's fair. I fixed it. <laughs> Great. God, Look, we are so much smarter than you just said, you just said trauma could give you powers and attract ghosts, which is just an incredible line out of context. <laughs> um, speaking of trauma, just jumping ahead a little bit, because I want to mention this. Um, Dr. Ellicott turning Sam... Like, rather than Dean, not only because, you know, Sam obviously has this repressed frustration, um, but kind of implying that Sam is not mentally sound, that Sam is, like, a patient, essentially. Especially mm. after we see him in therapy. Um, mm. Like, he's the one to do all of that stuff and to actually, like, lean into being honest with the psychiatrist. And then Dr. Ellicott, like, treating him, quote-unquote, I just think that's got interesting implications. Yeah. Of course, Dean is not mentally sound either. But, I mean, Dr. Ellicott does uh, go for Dean too. It just doesn't get him because he burns the bones first. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, but I think there's a there's a little bit of poking at Sam's mental health in this episode. Not just from like a frustration standpoint, but also from like a more complex, like 
Sam is very clearly like dealing with a lot of emotion that he doesn't know how to process. Mm-hmm. Um, Shall we talk about the fight scene now? Yeah. Yeah, let's talk about the fight scene. Good, good, good transition. I think my favorite line from the scene where Sam is uh, ghost, uh, ghost enhanced anger and uh, trying to kill Dean, or he says, I am normal. That was like super key to me, mm. I think. My, my favorite line is Dean saying, give me the gun, and Sam sa- or Sam put the gun down, and Sam says, is that an order? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He's sick of his orders. That's a juicy He calls shit Dean right there. a good little soldier, desperate for their dad's approval. That also, also makes my head spin. Um, mm-hmm. Also, by the way, Dean responds with, to, is that an order, with, nah, it's more of a friendly request. <laughs> He's so cute. Yep. Um, I... Uh, we should like we should break this down a little bit for yeah. the people who haven't seen the show. So basically, Later. the ghost. Uh, I I guess it's uh, Ellicott who like does a fake phone call um, in uh, in Sam's voice to wait. In no, Dean's sorry, voice to call it's, Sam it's to in Dean's voice to lure Sam down there. Dean goes looking for Sam, uh, finds Sam. Sam acts super weird. Uh, I wrote down. That they should have, they should have a procedure for this at this point after skin, <laughs> but I guess it wasn't. Sam still probably could have responded accurately to the procedure because he's like, he's still I, I keep saying possessed, he's not but possessed. he's, he's more like weird. He's more like magically affected. His like emotions are weird rather than him being explicitly possessed. Um. Anyway, yeah, they they talk for a bit and um, they are like. Sam lures Dean like further in and like finds the uh Dean finds the door um and Sam tells him to step back and then that's when he that's when they get unfriendly and Sam points the gun at him. Dean tells him to put the gun down. Sam says pretty tired of taking your orders. Sam shoots him through the door uh with the rock salt so he doesn't die. Um Mhm. And uh, that's when they start, like, arguing and having this conversation, which we're about to talk about. This scene made me really <sighs> sad. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. For pretty obvious reasons. Uh, where where <laughs> Sam is pointing the shotgun full of rock salt at him. And Dean kind of urges him onward. Or he, he's, like, testing how far Sam will go with this. Yeah. And convinces mm-hmm. him to take his actual gun, his pistol or whatever, his handgun full of actual bullets theoretically well and i said theoretically and sam takes it and points it at him and dean is you know telling him to pull the trigger which made me miserable and sam Mm -hmm. pulls it and it goes click because obviously dean unloaded the gun first yeah Uh, it's great and then he whacks him in the head and goes after the ghost yeah yeah it's sad in two different ways it's sad at first Mm -hmm. because like oh dean trusts sam so much that he's like expecting him to not be able to do it but no that wasn't it at all he was manipulating sam into this fake out that he had already i guess set up or expected i mean not set up to the point where i don't know like i don't know when he unloaded that gun yeah i guess actually no that's not true his dad probably taught him good gun safety stuff you don't go around with your gun loaded unless you're truly going to use it and he had the shotgun full of rock salt he didn't need to use that gun so it makes sense that his gun's unloaded but, uh, yeah, I guess, like, he tested the water with the rock salt and then made that plan, which is mm-hmm. is good planning, sneaky Dean, but yeah. is also very sad. We've also established that Dean is not very good at not lying. not trusting Sam. So the fact that he was able to pull this off so well is yeah. seriously concerning for his mental health. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was like, Dean, you are either real confident or real suicidal. Yeah. Which both are true. And the fact that Sam does Let's, try to pull the trigger is because of the ghost, but also does not speak well for their relationship in mm-hmm. general. Yep. Mm-hmm. Let's let's break down the specific lines here because this feels important to me. You said when Sam says I am normal, he goes on to say, "I'm just telling the truth for the first time." I mean, why are we even here? Because you're following Dad's orders like a good little soldier. Because you always do what he says without question. Are you that desperate for his approval? Dean says, "This isn't you talking, Sam." Deflecting, Sam says, "That's the difference between you and me. I have a mind of my own. I'm not pathetic like you." Which is great, because in this moment, of course, his mind is not fully his own, which is good irony, but also, like, it's good thematically for how much... We've talked before, who is Dean? How much of Dean is Dean? How much of Dean is, like, his him thinking about how he should be in contrast to other people? Which uh, is, is delicious in this particular scene. Yeah. And by delicious, we mean it makes Emma specifically miserable. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Delicious in that. Because we are sad. Yes, exactly. I love to be sad. Mm-hmm. I love it when the CW supernatural makes me feel emotions <laughs> other than spite and anger. Uh-huh. I like it when it makes me feel spite and anger too, but. It's true. It's a, it's a nice refreshing yeah, change supernatural... when you feel things other than spite and anger. Supernatural contains multitudes. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. There, it's, I think I'm, season one. I will say this for season one. First of all, I think it's a good season in Mm -hmm. general. It's full of a lot of really good episodes. But second of all, I think all of the episodes are in some way in conversation with other episodes. Yeah. Like this episode is in conversation with the next episode and then also with skin. Like there's so there's like lots of crossing streams um, that I think is really interesting. Like this episode sets up the tension that uh, boils over in the next episode which leads to plot things. Yeah. Um, and oh I boy, just think that's, <laughs> yeah, I just think that's good plot or good, like writing. Yeah. Good yeah. This is like a really smooth season where there's continuity and like mm-hmm. a sil- single continuous arc that's built up in pretty much every episode. It's great. Yeah. And it's like, it's small. Like it reminds me of Russell T Davies, Dr. Who, where it's like, there's little things in every episode that just kind of build up until you get like to the the season finale where you get the payoff. Mm, Sam and Dean arguing um, is the bad wolf of season one. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So yeah, yeah. Um, after the after the fight and uh, Dean calling back to again skin. Dean always wins fights that he has against Sam. Knocks Sam out, burns the body. When uh, Sam gets back up and is fine, Dean says, "You're not gonna try to kill me, are you?" And Sam says, "No." And Dean says, "Good," because that would be awkward. <laughs> again, making jokes about the shit he's just been through. At the very end, the half conversation that we mentioned with. Uh, are they are they are they going to talk about their feelings? Where Dean says that sorry, Sam says that he's sorry, and he said some awful things back there that he remembers, but he couldn't control and he didn't mean it. And Dean's like, "You didn't, huh?" And Sam says, "No, of course not. Do we need to talk about this?" Yeah. And Dean's like, "No, of course not," <laughs> and gets in the car and goes to go. Yeah, to not sleep. really in a sharing and caring mood. I just want to get some sleep. Which Sam mm-hmm. Sam's lying here, right? Sam's absolutely press X to doubt on what Sam says. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, and then at the very, very end, Dean, oh, yeah. Dean's phone rings while he's asleep, and Sam picks up, and it's their dad, which we will get back to. In the Great cliffhanger. Fuck John Winchester. 
Um, the plot things aside, uh, I just I just want to point out that Doctor Ellicott, when uh, Dean burns his bones, he does not in fact catch fire. He turns to stone and falls oh, over. Oh yeah, and what shatters. the fuck yeah. was up with that? that was a cool that, effect. That, yeah, they I never was like, again. what is going on? It was sick, yeah, but also what it the didn't why? Make sense. Yeah. Um, so chalk on up another one up for Richard Hatem doing cool ghosts, things that never got mentioned again. Breaking, ghost breaking. What is it? The second law of thermodynamics. How should I know? Why do we look like we would know? The one that, that? The one that says majors. the one that says energy cannot be created or destroyed. Oh. No, that's the is that the third law? I don't know. One of the laws of thermodynamics, just creating matter out of nothing. Apparently, I guess maybe if it's the ghost energy, so it's a conversion of, thing ectoplasm it's mm-hmm. transmuting mm-hmm. energy into matter but it's still why stone Alchemy. it's so weird it never happens again right no not. i want to interview whoever's idea this was i guess it was the writer yeah. but ghosts usually you know catch on fire when you burn yeah. their bones because that's the whole point yeah. is there like is there some symbolism there that any of us can think of why it's stone instead of fire well he's solidified in his no. beliefs that he's still trying to do after his death Hey, there we go. That's the English no, student it. shit. That's our brand. You got it. You got it in one. It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't sense, make any yeah. sense. It's stupid, but also it's sick. It's a great effect. It looks mm-hmm. very good. It it does it look very, very cool. good. It just doesn't make any goddamn sense. Like so many things in Supernatural. It yeah. looks cool. Does not make a lick of sense. It's literally the knives out. Makes no damn Compels sense. Me, Compels me, though. Yeah. Uh-huh. Good episode. Yeah, good episode. Uh, my last note for this episode is that Sam has this excellent Luke Skywalker moment where his flashlight is flickering out because of ghost activity nearby. And so what does he do when it turns off? He points it straight at his face. I was like, Sam, buddy, what if it turns back on? Which is extremely Luke yeah. him, where in that moment where he's pointing the lightsaber straight at his face, which went kind of around the internet for a while as like this incredibly dumb thing uh-huh. to do. <sighs> very cute of him. Very Not stupid. Not as dumb as that, but, but it's, yeah, it's cute. It's adorable. Also, I love how when Dean's flashlight goes out, he goes, oh, it's okay, I have a lighter, and he takes out his fucking bit. First of all, Dean, you don't, oh, yeah. well, actually, no, never mind. I totally forgot that they have to burn bodies regularly. Yeah. No, it never makes sense mind. to use a lighter, but it is funny. Like, lighters provide, it, you would be better just adapting to night vision. There's windows, the moonlight's mm-hmm. coming through, it's not a, it's not a cloudy mm-hmm. night, like. I think that was an attempt to it's kind a- of set up that he has a lighter on him so that he can burn the bones. Yeah, that's fair. But we know, but we've seen him do it before. I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, fun fact for all you folks out there. If you're trying to see with a lighter, hold it behind you. Because then you're not blinded mm. to, like, what's around you by the firelight. And the light illuminates from behind you so you can see better. That's a little tip from mm. Wyatt to you. <laughs> Another... Just one more thing about the the cinematography of this episode. I also noted that like this episode is very light, like it's it, you can see really well, yeah. Which kind of breaks the immersion a little bit. Yeah. But I would much rather have this than than it just being dark as fuck. <laughs> yeah, and you just can't fucking see anything. Um, so it was a little goofy with the ghosts sometimes. Of like, oh, it's like I can see this all pretty well, and there's just these people in makeup running around being spooky. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Very big, like haunted house, like novelty haunted haunted house. People running mm-hmm. around in costumes, vibes to some degree, but I mm-hmm. didn't mind it. Yeah, it it only I only noticed it a couple of times, and it only broke my immersion a little bit. Yeah, but like I said, I would much rather be able to see yeah. and have that break break my suspension of disbelief than just having to stare at myself in the dark screen of my laptop <laughs> yeah. and just see the horrible dead look in my eyes. <laughs> um, Oh, yeah. You know it's a good episode when we talked about it for a fucking hour, but uh 
let's yeah at this point uh we're gonna take a little break here and then we'll we will move on to episode 11 scarecrow All right, episode 11, Scarecrow. So we start in Burkittsville, Indiana, one year ago. This is important for reasons. So this episode is basically the plot of The Wicker Man and a section of American Gods. We open on a couple who get lost in the small town of Burkittsville. The folks there are very nice. Give them a pie, uh, very suspiciously nice. Give them an apple pie, help them get back onto the interstate. While they're driving, their car and cell phones die. They get out of the car and see a house past an orchard, which they approach. And the woman's pretty reluctant about this. On the way, they see the titular scarecrow, which is very creepy. Good scarecrow design is a gross stitched up face. It watches them as they leave, and then it chases them back to their car, but they don't make it, and the man gets his face ripped off, and it looks great. Uh, I was big sickos for that moment. And then we open on the cliffhanger from last time with Sam getting a call from John. So first of all, they make sure each other are okay, which I thought was sweet, even though fuck John Winchester. Winchester. Wow. Ugh. Ugh. I hate that that Freudian slip I just did. Ugh. Oh, gross. Ugh, gonna wash my mouth out with soap. Mm-hmm. Um, ugh, my fucking stammering mouth. Um, yeah, fuck John Winchester. John says, I'm sorry, I can't tell you where I am. Um, John does tell them what killed their mom and Jessica, and it's a demon, which, dun, dun, dun. Uh, surprise, surprise. Uh, he says he's sorry and that he would have done anything to protect Sam from that. It's interesting that he says you, he says Sam and not her, Jessica. Uh, well, he tells them know, to stop following this is a him. Show for men, about I mean, men, by men. Yes, exactly. Well, it's interesting. <laughs> it's like, it makes sense that he, he's like, I'd protect you from this. I'd like, I'd stop this from happening to both of you is the thing that does make sense because like he doesn't know jessica it i would do anything to protect jessica doesn't make sense but it's not that i would protect jessica it's that i would protect a bad thing from happening to you which is jessica dying because which, it's yeah, what happened like to said, john it's, it's very yeah exactly yeah um so john tells them to stop following him and then just asks them to write down these names uh sam argues with him uh calls back to the previous episode about orders and then dean takes the phone from sam because he's in the background but going like hey is that dad let me talk to him um and takes it ask asks john where he is there's a pause then he just gets really deferent and goes yes sir and writes down the names Uh, then we uh, yeah we cut to them driving uh, their exposition dumping about the research they've done about these three couples, or not that they've done, that uh, John has done. Uh, their exposition dump, exposition dumping about the three couples on road trips uh, disappearing. All their routes took them through Burkittsville on the second week of April. Uh, Dean calls John a master in terms of this research that he's done, which, again, just being very deferential. It's also very funny because we've spent the past um, three episodes yeah. of our podcast uh, <laughs> making fun of how bad John is at hunting. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, this is where Sam stops the car because Sam's driving here. Um and says, no, we're going to Sacramento. That's where dad was calling from. I figured it out from the area code. Which, again, calling John a, calling John a master and Sam just immediately figures out where he is is very funny. It's also another moment of Sam being a cute little detective for you, Wyatt. Yes, yeah. Um, 
And Sam's like, we need to find him and get revenge for Mama Jessica. Uh, Sam compares his Jess trauma to Dean's mom trauma, says it's like you don't even question him. Dean says it's called being a good son. Dean calls Sam a selfish bastard. Sam gets out of the car and just starts walking in the middle of the night. He's going to California and Dean can't stop him. This is almost certainly or maybe it's not now that I think about it. But at the time I wrote down, this is almost certainly a gambit to get Dean to come with. Uh, but Dean calls his bluff and drives off if it is a bluff. Uh, so our brothers are split up for this episode. Dean drives into Burkittsville, looks at his phone. We see some names there. It's also kind of sad to me that he has like five contacts. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, Dean's considering calling Sam in this scene, but he doesn't. Uh, Dean goes to a cafe and talks to the owner, Scotty. Uh, names himself the drummer for Led Zeppelin and gets called out for it, which is great. <laughs> um mm-hmm. Dean tries to get info out of him, but utterly fails. This guy's pretty hostile towards him. Meanwhile, Sam runs into another hitchhiker on the road. She's cool. I love her hoodie. Um, For some reason, he taps on... Also, yeah, this is Meg. We learn later that this is Meg, but this is Meg. She's important. Uh, For some reason, he taps her on the shoulder instead of going around in front of her and scares her. Uh, They flirt a little. Then she gets picked up, and he doesn't. She doesn't seem at all concerned that the guy picking her up is a weirdo. (laughs) Cut back to, yeah, we'll we'll find out why later. Uh, Dean talks to the family from the cold open. They point him in the same direction the couple went. His EMF reader flips out when he's doing that. He ends up in the same orchard and sees the scarecrow. Uh, he calls the scarecrow fugly, which is a word I haven't heard in over a decade. Well, this was 2005 well, that would be why. Immediately reminded me that this is 2005. <laughs> Mm-hmm. It's really good. Uh-huh. Oh, this Very one good aired piece January of environmental storytelling. So we are officially in 2006. Oh, okay, 2006. We're in 2006. All right. Good for us. So Dean discovers that the scarecrow has the same tattoo that man who went missing did, which was called out in the cold open of the uh, what's the girl's name later on? Emily, Emily I think. She's right? got it on a necklace and yeah. everything. Yeah. Uh, Yes, right. She has her name on her necklace. It's so weird. We'll talk. It's we'll so get... 2006. Yeah. Uh, anyway, <laughs> Emily called it a cool tattoo in order to draw the audience's attention to it. So the audience would notice this tattoo in the scene, which is 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 cute writing, I think. Uh, mm-hmm. I didn't mind it, even if it's a little on the nose. Um, so, yeah, Dean's like, ah, hmm. Okay. So Dean goes back into town and talks to Emily. This is where they meet. Uh, She foreshadows weird stuff by saying how good the town's got it. It's almost like they're blessed. Every other town is drying up and falling apart, but they got it great here. Wonder why? Uh, Dean asks her about the scarecrow, and she says it's always been there. And Dean discovers that the fated couple is here, um, the one who's probably going to get sacrificed this round, uh, this year. Meanwhile, Sam's trying to get a bus ride that'll get there on time and failing. We see his own contacts, which uh, Becky and Jerry are here uh, from Skin Fan Traveler. And one of these characters was important because I looked it up and one of them shows up in like season nine or something, but I don't know which one. Um, he considers calling Dean, but doesn't just like Dean did earlier and runs into Meg from earlier. Uh, we learn here that that's her name. She apparently got away from the shady guy. Uh, I can't remember exactly what the line was, but it was like, I dealt with him or something like that. It was very like, hmm, you're suspicious. She says she cut him loose. Cut him loose, right, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Cut him loose, hey, hey. <laughs> <laughs> uh, turns out they're both heading for California. 
Um, cut back to Dean, who goes into Scotty's cafe and meets the fated couple. They're eating a suspiciously big, delicious meal. Uh, Scotty is very hostile to Dean in this scene as well. Turns out they're keeping these folks here, fixing their car until nightfall. It's a fairly small thing, and Dean is sus and offers to fix it for them, but they don't listen. Uh, he regrets not having Sam and his puppy dog eyes here to help him, which is very on the nose. He just straight up says to them what he's thinking, like an anime character, but it's fine. Um, <laughs> it's very, Scotty it's very then calls endearing. the sheriff on Honestly, him. It's so cute that he's just like, it is. It's cute. It is. This is like the third or fourth time that we have a sheriff running. Uh, it's only one of the brothers in this case, but running our protagonist out of town. Yeah, he literally is chased him to the border. I was like, like what? I, it's so weird. It keeps it's, happening. I don't like. Is this a thing that small town cops do? You don't ask. Not I, asking I know. The right I'm just people. like, write into us if you've ever had a had a small town cop drive you to the border of a town and tell you to go away. Please write into us. Our email is in the description of the podcast. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, um, cut to Sam talking to Meg. Uh, she gives some backstory for herself about how she needed to get away from her family. They disagreed over what was best for her, which is very interesting considering the end of this episode. We'll come back to this. Uh, Sam empathizes with her, talks to her about Dean. I think Meg specifically talks about how they wanted her to like marry someone, yeah, right? Yeah, says she had to be not smart enough to scare away a husband, which I wrote down because it is so gay-coded yeah. of her. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Love her, love her outfits. Um. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, so, uh, cut to the couple who are predictably being chased by the Scarecrow, who has a cool scythe. Uh, Dean saves them. His shotgun isn't too effective on it, though. Uh, it, he, like, shoots at it and it chases them off to the car, but somehow they still lose it. I don't know. Um, they manage to get away. Dean finally calls Sam about the Scarecrow. Admits, he, I, he says, I can't cope without you, which, oh. He does it sarcastically. I treated it as a serious line of like, yeah, I don't know. Because especially after him being like, well, I failed in getting this couple away from them because if, if you were here, I could have used your help. But he does say it in a kind of, he does just kind of like drop that and then keep moving. I think it's kind of a callback or a parallel to um, way back in the beginning. I can't remember for sure which episode, possibly the pilot, where Sam says you can do this on your own. And he says, yeah, well, I don't want to. Yeah. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. true. Um, anyway, Dean's figured out that the Scarecrow is a pagan god because of the very sacrificial nature of this situation. Um, I'm surprised they didn't... April 2nd, there's nothing... Or not this April 2nd, but the second week of April, there's nothing as far as I'm aware that's, like, cos- not cosmologically, but, like, cal- calendar-wise important about that, right? In 2022, the spring equinox is going to be in March. Yeah, it's, like, March so, 20th or 2006. Yeah, which yeah, is it's not April. Yeah, the 20th of March. Nope. Um, it just seemed like a weird choice. I'm like they tapping into my witchcraft <laughs> knowledge. They could have um, picked a significant date here. Uh, maybe it's a Scandinavian thing, but also like, I'll talk about this later, but the, the Scandinavian stuff here is like absolutely nothing. There's nothing here. <laughs> yeah. Why it's folklore I, yeah, corner I figured, is deserted. Uh, There's cobwebs. I was so sad. <laughs> I was so excited to like look and like do some research in Devonier, uh, but it's nothing. This is nothing. Yeah. Yep. I I was thinking about that because I've done research into Norse mythology. Uh and I was like, that sounds like a Nordic word, but not one that I've ever heard. You haven't heard Vanya? Um Oh wait. 
It's the Vanier and the or, Aesir, the two. That's what it is. God damn yeah. it. I should have Googled the it. The Vanier. Like a there's like, on there's a really interesting. Mm, okay, I guess we're doing Norse mythology corner <laughs> early, really quickly, just because there's basically nothing in this episode. But the reason I was excited is I think Norse mythology is cool. And I know the ties it has to white supremacy and it sucks, but I just think it's cool. I read lots of books about Norse mythology when I was a little kid. I hyperfixated on it for a long, large period of my childhood. Anyway, um, the there are interesting theories about the Aesir and the Vanir being separate pantheons of gods worshipped by different groups of people. Uh, and there was eventually, like, there's stories about, like, a war between them, but then a, like, merging of them. They, like, exchanged hostages the way, like, feuding uh, families, like, would, uh, like, historically. Um, feuding royal families, specifically. But, but uh, yeah, that, that idea of, like pantheons joining in this way that is very human in order to mirror like two human groups like joining into one culture as well uh but one culture that still like has its subcultural differences is super fascinating to me um that's all i guess because the vanier like this is not a vanier there's no vanier who like ties into this uh as far as i could find well, i mean if they're going to be appropriating scandinavia is not the worst choice yeah it's true. Mm -hmm. It's true. Um, I would rather they horribly butcher Norse mythology yeah, than, than anything else. Than, like the Wendigo. <laughs> yeah. Also, I I should Google this, but I don't know if like scarecrow like it. I just yeah. think the, the idea of a scarecrow god is really funny. It's cool. I like it. Uh, but also, um, it's it's yeah. I don't know. I should have looked up like, the history sure of scarecrows. scarecrows. If one of you yeah, wants to do probably... that in the background while I finish the synopsis. Yeah, I'll do that, actually. Oh, this is also the first, I think it's the first, the first time we get, like, pagan gods as something that exists, specifically pagan. Like, we've yeah. talked about mm -hmm. uh, yeah. non-Christian pantheons as being, like, mentioned. Yeah, we brought that up we talked about it in for, episode for one when we talked about Wendigo, but... Um, but now we're talking about specifically pagan pantheons as something that exists, which is a nice contrast mm -hmm. to the next episode, which I'm super excited to talk about. Yeah, um... So yeah, Dean's figured out this is a pagan god. Sam offers to help. Dean tries to apologize. Sam figures it out and apologizes first. Uh, at least that was my read of that conversation anyway. Um, and then Dean says, you've got to live your own life and is willing to let him go. I, he says, I admire that about you. I'm proud of you, Sammy, which gave me, gave me big emotions. <laughs> big emotions this episode for me. Um, and then we cut to Dean talking to a professor uh, on like folklore. Uh, learns that people from the town originated from Northern Europe. Dean says, wasn't a lot of this place settled by immigrants? And I wrote, Dean, they're all immigrants. I, know. I was like, you are in America. You're in Indiana. Indiana was settled like by immigrants. The, what are you talking about? Yeah. This is like, it's true in that, like, this is, uh, there was like second and third waves of like people from like Eastern Europe and Northern Europe immigrating to America. That was like, like like 200 years after colonization or whatever or like 150 yeah, years like it whatever. makes sense it's just stupid so i get phrasing. what he means but also also it's annoying to me by the way this professor is the fucking smoking man from the x-files uh which is a very oh fun gosh. cameo yeah uh-huh i thought That's i recognized great. him i was delighted when i found that out that's my actor fact early um, I didn't have one for last episode because there wasn't really anything interesting about any of the actors, but, but yeah, the smoking man's here. Um, he's a fun character in this. I like, I liked his, prof I liked him being a professor. Um, 
And this mm-hmm. is also the scene where we get the first, or I think it's the first, um, mention of, like, these are just legends, which is great. I love when they do that, when they're yeah. interrogating somebody and getting yeah. all the facts, and then they accidentally overstep and treat it like something real, and the professor or expert or whatever they're interrogating um, looks at them funny and is like, this is just a story, you know that, right? I think it's great. Add it to the right. supernatural bingo. However, I had thoughts about this. Uh, so... I'll get there in a second. So Dean learns from the professor that people used to sacrifice men and women, uh, specifically a man and a woman, every year to an effigy of a vanir who was connected to a sacred tree. Like I said earlier, no vanir, no actual vanir I could find. Dean pronounces it vanir or vanner, which is very funny to me. Uh, he he asks the professor about burning the tree, and then the sheriff from earlier shows up and knocks him out. Which I thought, because the sheriff, the sheriff like ran him out of town and didn't seem like he was going to come back for him. Um, I guess like Dean helped the couple is why he came after him. But what I thought here was that the professor was in on it and ratted Dean out. And I don't know. Yeah, whether that's what that's, I thought too. I don't know whether that's true, but if I remember correctly, the sheriff and the professor like share a look. They definitely like, share a look. The professor and it's isn't implied, surprised. It's implied that Emily's the only one in town who doesn't know about this. Or yeah. possibly well, there's, like, a group of people who are definitely in on it because they talk about it in a little bit. Yeah. But I don't know how much the general population is aware. But the professor who studied this yeah. mm-hmm. and is apparently an expert in this yeah. tradition mm-hmm. would certainly know that they're practicing it here. Which, like, yeah. if if he's on their side here, it's weird that he gives, he tells Dean the lore, but... Maybe he called the sheriff, and the sheriff was like, okay, just give him what he wants. Yeah, because like, if he was going to die anyway, it didn't matter, right? Yeah. Give him a villain model. Yeah, I like that little... I, th- that's my headcanon anyway, because I like that the smoking man played this like suspicious professor instead of just like a <laughs> completely two-dimensional character. I like imagining this professor's got some depths. I like to like what what deal do they have worked out? Like does does the professor get stuff in reward for ratting out anyone who investigates this shit? Who knows? But it's fun to imagine for me. Anyway, yeah. So Dean gets knocked out. Um, Cut to the townspeople arguing about the god they sacrificed to because Dean saved the couple. They need a sacrifice or else sacrifice or else their orchard will die. So they're going to sacrifice Dean and Emily because it's the only I, I guess they need like a young couple for this. Uh, actually, no, they don't because of what happens later. But for some reason, that's like this is the only option. Yeah, I have no idea uh, why it needs to be Emily. Is she like the only girl yeah. in town? Like, what is that? Well, and clearly not because of because the Vanir are satisfied by what happens later. So, who knows? But this is what they decide to do. Uh, maybe they only think they need a young couple. Maybe like an older couple. Maybe it's like the longer the lifespan is of the people they sacrifice, the longer it lasts. So maybe they'll need to do multiple sacrifices of older people. Who knows? It doesn't matter. It, um, it's I just kind of fun to think about. I guess. Uh, Anyway, we cut to Sam, who's been trying to call Dean, and it's not working because he's kidnapped and shoved in a cellar. So we cut to Sam, who's been trying to call Dean, and it's not working. Uh, Sam thinks he's in trouble, which I guess makes sense, especially because we've seen Sam have this, like, sixth sense, this, like, portents portent of future bad things to come. Um, and also just Dean is a pig. He called him, like, five times. Um, he gets into an argument with Meg about this. Um, she's like, is that the only reason? Like, are you sure he's in trouble? Uh, she wants him to come to California with her, uh, very insistently considering, uh, she was happy to just like leave him in the dust earlier. Um, 
Sam says, he's my family, uh, and leaves to go after Dean. Meg is apparently very sad about this. Uh, she may have reasons for that. Uh, I think the episode wants you to think that she's starting to crush on him, but uh, that will be complicated later. <laughs> um, Dean, meanwhile, uh, tries to get info out of Emily while they're locked in a cellar. Uh, she doesn't know much about the Scarecrow God, as you said earlier, Emma. Uh, she says the original colonizers brought a tree with them across the sea. She doesn't use colonizers. That's she my editorializing. But <laughs> yeah, um, the villagers take them out into the orchard then and tie them up. Emily's like, why are you doing this to me? Uh, I'm your family to her aunt and uncle, which, by the way, we didn't talk. I didn't mention this, but like Emily's whole thing is like her parents died. Um, yeah, her parents died and so her aunt and uncle who live in this town took her in, which is why she's like not part of the culture here and doesn't know what's going on. Uh, says to them, I'm your family. Uh, her aunt says, that's what sacrifice means, giving up something you love for the greater good, which is real fucked up of her to say. Um, mm -hmm. Dean says he's working on a plan <laughs> and then it cuts to night. Uh, Emily's like, you don't have one, do you? And he says, I'm working on it. <laughs> and it's, it's very cute. <laughs> Um, but he doesn't need to have one because Sam arrives. Sam jump scares us again. Um, they, they think he's a scarecrow, but it's Sam. Dean's very happy to see him. Sam stole a car to get here. Dean's very proud of him for that. Uh, but their happy reunion is ruined by them realizing that the scarecrow is gone. Dean very smartly wants to run and come back in the morning to burn the tree. Uh, but when they go do that, they get surrounded by villagers with guns. Emily's uncle then gets stabbed by the god as they're having this confrontation, uh, ripped to him, and then her aunt is dragged away. Uh, she seems to be content with these sacrifices. And then we just cut to morning, where the boys and Emily find the tree and burn it, somehow not being stopped by the villagers. The ending of this episode's really weird. It felt like they ran out of time. It, it, it's kind of a big anticlimax. I don't know how I feel about it. But mm -hmm. anyway, Dean says to her, you know, the whole town's going to die. And Emily says, good. And then is the one to burn girl the boss. tree. Peak and we have, final girl. Yeah. Honestly. Big girl. Yeah. <laughs> uh huh. Um, and then we go to the denouement. The boys are talking. Sam says, Dean's stuck with him. Jess and mom are both gone. It's you and me. He says, we're all that's left. It's very emotional. Dean can't take emotions and deflects the two of them banter. And then finally, we cut to Meg, who's hitchhiking. She kills the guy who's driving her with a knife and drains his blood into a cup. There's a funny scene where she pulls out the cup and he's like, what was that for? Uh, she's like, I need to make a call. He says, you can borrow my phone. And then she kills him, uh, drains his blood into the cup. Um and then talks uses the blood to talk to someone. The cup is very cool, by the way. It has like these horrible ghoul faces all around the uh, nice the center, cup. it uh, around the rim. It may be made out of damn souls. Who knows? Um, but yeah, it's like Minecraft souls. Yeah, exactly. Um, anyway, uh, the person she's talking to is apparently her dad. I wrote down spooky blood dad. Um, <laughs> apparently she was here to stop Sam, uh, but her spooky blood dad wanted her to let them go. Uh, and also bad company plays over this whole scene, which is very charmingly on the nose. Uh, That's it. We That's don't hear episode. what her dad is saying. We just hear her talking to him. Yeah, we don't. We don't. We don't. Yeah. It's just like, it's like a phone call, except it's like bubbling blood. The blood looks it really cool. cool, by the way. It looks like when you, when you like have water on a speaker or whatever yeah. when they do that thing it had little yeah, spikes it's a good effect. it, looks, it cool. looks like those like iron mm -hmm. when you have like that iron what's it called the like ferrous liquid and you have a magnet and it like spikes towards it it looks like yeah ferrofluid yes, yeah yeah, yeah it I mean. does it does it does it does that might be how they made um, the effect i don't know 
It was cool. I guess I should say, through context, I now know like who and what Meg is. It's not super. It's like it's not super not obvious, but uh, I there was a conversation Ash and Emma had in a Discord that we're in that made me realize. Oh, I know what this is now. Oh no! Uh, I'm not gonna say <laughs> what that is to not spoil people. I, again, it's not a big deal. It's fairly obvious, but just for people who've seen this show, I know I know what Meg is and I know who she was talking to. <laughs> Okay, sorry about that, I guess. It's okay, it, it, it gets revealed in, like, three yeah, episodes. Yeah, I figured. Anyway. No, it's fine. It was, it was, yeah. Well. Okay, what's um, on this episode? Well, hold oh, on, sorry. before we get into that, I looked up the, the, the scarecrow? history of scarecrows. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so um, I linked the website I got this stuff from in the reference channel. We'll link it in the post accompanying this episode. Cool. Um, so the Egyptians used the first scarecrows in recorded history. Of course history. they did. It's always um, the fucking Egyptians. <laughs> but they were like n- nets that they put in the fields, and then they would scare quail into the nets and take them home to eat them. So, Wait, that's not a scarecrow. I know. Uh, but it seems like scarecrows, quote unquote, this website uses it as like any method that farmers use to protect their crops from birds, whether that's oh, live I people see. So or they not. were protecting them from the quail and then they did double duty of also eating the quail. That's Way smart. smarter than Shout out to the Egyptians. Uh, my, my, it's always the fucking Egyptians was affectionate earlier. Egypt is very cool. It's just funny when oh, it's always like, oh, Egypt did it first. Mm hmm. Uh, and then Greek farmers in 2500 BC carved wooden scarecrows to look like Priapus, the son of the god Dionysus and mm. the goddess Aphrodite. Yeah, right. Who was supposedly really ugly, ugly one. enough to scare birds away from the vineyards and ensure that's good so harvest. funny. <laughs> shout outs to, out to Priapus. <laughs> yeah, so that's kind of like the prehistory of our idea of scarecrows. Mm. Um, in Germany, scarecrows were wooden and shaped to look like witches. Um, which scarecrows were supposed to hasten the covenant of spring. Huh. Uh, in medieval Britain, young boys and girls were used as live scarecrows or bird scarers. They would patrol the right. fields and scare away birds by waving their arms or throwing stones. Um, in later times, farmers stuffed sacks yeah, of straw made go. cases of gourds and leaned the straw against the scare away birds. So this is like... Yeah. This is later than the witch scarecrow. Like this is post Christianity, mm-hmm. it seems like, right? Yeah. So this is the thing, like the the classic image of the scarecrow of the stuff sack of straw with the gourd head is uh, probably more recent than this like ancient like pagan mm-hmm. ritual. <laughs> Um, and then Native American tribes across North America use scarecrows or bird scarers, mostly adult men. Um, in Georgia, Creek, it says Creek Indian. I don't, I don't know if that's the proper term. Um, they moved the, into huts in their cornfields to protect their crops during the growing season. Um, and then in the Southwest, Zuni children had contests to see who could make the scariest scarecrow. So scarecrows as like a thing yeah. seem to be a pretty common, like, method of protecting crops yeah i mean anyone in, who in multiple different cultures who did not have very much contact yeah, anyone with who invents farming is gonna invent some way to keep animals out of their farm it makes perfect mm-hmm. sense um i could probably i could imagine a line being drawn from greece the greek uh Priapus, yeah. um scarecrows to the german scarecrows to the british scarecrows and that's how we get like our modern just as like a statue that you put in the the field yeah. um because as from what i understand those cultures had a lot of uh inter well it's they, like a they, daisy they... chain right it's like the romans stole mm-hmm. from the greeks 
and then the mm-hmm. Romans colonized Europe. Yes, that's that's what I mean. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then the other thing that I know just from my background with Norse mythology is the sacred tree thing is more of like, I don't know if it's Norse specifically, but it's more, it's European mythology. Yeah. It's more of I like mean, a dryad than, you know, a, a Vanir, which is just... Dryads aren't, certain... dryads aren't, no, they're not Scandinavia Norse, doesn't have dryads though, I don't think. I mean, they That's might also thing. be Norse, but they're certainly Greek. I think part of the mythos is that the, if you kill a dryad's tree, the dryad mm, dies. Okay, that's fair. That's kind of what I was touching that's on. That's fair. Which, like, yeah, is not is just them, like, stealing all sorts of things and combining them yeah, into this episode. It's, it's very interesting. Um, this it's is one of their... Yeah, this is just straight up a plot, like, part of Amer- a thing mm-hmm. that happens in American Gods. I don't know if that was deliberate, <laughs> but there, it's, like... That, like, yearly sacrificing to a minor Norse god, I guess minor spoilers for American gods, but I won't say who it is, uh, is extremely a thing, uh, like a, a fairly big uh, plot detail in that book. Uh-huh. Yeah, huh? Specifically in, like, a small American town that has a dark secret. Yeah, this episode was written by John Shiban and Patrick Sean Smith. I don't know about Patrick Sean Smith, but John Shiban did um, Skin 1-6 and... Hookman 17. Mm. So we have again like this spooky oh. trope um, for, for Hookman, I mean. Well, and Supernatural uh, takes a lot of inspiration from American gods um, with the idea of minor, quote unquote, minor polytheistic gods gaining power from worship yeah. and sacrifice. Mm-hmm. Um, that it gets touched on so many times throughout the show. Yeah, that's like, a, I should say. Um, as a big fantasy reader, um, that's like a very common thing. I don't know if it was okay. necessarily Terry Pratchett who like popularized that with small gods, but it's been a, a oh. thing. It's, it's a very common trope in fantasy. Uh, also Neil, okay, Neil as, as we all know, as Good Omens fans, actually, I don't, you like Good Omens, right, Emma? Just I ran a blog about it for two years. <laughs> sure. Okay. Okay. I'm sorry. I just didn't want to assume. I was fairly I sure. Uh, I know. <laughs> I'm sorry. I wanted to be sure. Um, as we all know, <laughs> we all know as good Omen, Omens fans that uh, Neil Gaiman and Terry Pratchett are fans. Are fans? Are friends? You can draw a line there, also. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the, the the like American Gods is a very popular book. This like. This idea pushing out into the popular culture through that makes sense to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, I will say that they get much better at it as time goes on. They get much better at, at least trying a little bit more to at least kind of look like they're doing research uh-huh. rather than just straight up making shit up like they did in this episode. Uh-huh. <laughs> Which, again, is fine because it's, you know, Scandinavian culture. So it's like, yeah, you're just kind of appropriating yourself. Um but later on, there's, there's going to be a lot of opportunities to talk about this throughout the show um, with varying degrees of success mm-hmm. and appropriation. Mm-hmm. I'm very excited for that. <sighs> okay. Now are we going through our notes chronologically? Yeah, okay. Let's, let's go. Let's start again from the beginning. Uh, we touched on some of my things, but I think this opening was like really spooky. They did a good job with it. It, it was scary. Mm-hmm. Nice yeah. and done. The one thing I will say, though, is the shaky cam. It's a little much. Fucking... Th- threw me off i was laughing it's a, so it's hard. a little much it so much also she tripped on a whole man like i get it's dark but like there's a whole dude there <laughs> <laughs> did she do that 
<laughs> I just thought it, there was some funny, silly things. Um, but I do, I do think the idea of an orchard patrolled by an evil scarecrow is a very good, like, horror thing to do, and it was yeah, really it's a nice well done. trope of like the setting is scary, and the girl is is reluctant to mm-hmm. go in, and the guy drags her in. Like, nice tropes being used to effect. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I want. We talked about this scene already, but I want to highlight some of the lines in it where Dean and Sam are having their arguments about following John's orders. Uh, Dean equates blind faith with being a good son, specifically the words blind faith. Sam says, yeah, I don't understand the blind faith you have in the man, which, um, which I did a faith episode. we'll talk about next episode as is the title, but the idea of blind faith is also just like a really big thing of this idea of following orders yeah. without question, um, which is also kind of what the villagers are doing, the, whatever, the townspeople yeah. are doing. Um, yeah. That's particularly interesting, considering Sam and Dean's conflict in the next episode. Also, mm-hmm. they can't they can't see where each other are similar in where ways that yes. are interesting. Yeah, where they're paralleled. It's also a really good line to parallel off of Cast, but we will not get there yet. <laughs> <laughs> um, I like Again, how Cast the specter haunting this podcast. I like how um, mm-hmm. Sam is called a selfish bastard for going to California, which we have that, like extremely unsettled callback to when he first went, left for California and left Dean on his own. Um, yeah. Like, specifically California, where John is, so that we have that direct parallel. Like, John could have been anywhere, and they chose to make it California. I don't think that was an accident. Um, yeah, and we talked about, like, California in episode one of the, the like, getting away. contrast between it as, like, but, but yeah, running away, it's a coastal state, it's at the edge of America, the boys are in the Midwest. Mm-hmm. Uh, in that scene, Dean says, I will leave you, and not the other way around. Sam is the one leaving, but Dean kind of spins that around, which I think yeah. is for his own sake, so that he doesn't feel like he's the one being abandoned because of his severe abandonment issues. He's like, no, I'm leaving you. Oh, buddy. Because he's the one driving away. Um, and then we have Meg explicitly paralleled as a mirror to Sam, where the whole disagreeing with the family, escaping to California. Uh, and since now we can say that Meg is clearly up to something sinister, we can say, I think she's doing this on purpose, uh-huh. right? She knows something about the boys. She yes. knows the kind of dynamic they have. She's setting herself up so that Sam will be sympathetic towards her and like her and go along with whatever she has planned. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, classic interrogation technique of, like, endear yourself to the person you're trying to get to do a thing by connecting with them on a personal level in that way. Yeah. Um, also, while they're waiting for the... Um, while they're while they're hitchhiking on the side of the road, um, Meg's like, I'm not telling you where I'm headed. You could be some kind of freak. I mean, you are hitchhiking. And Sam says, well, so are you. So this idea of freak is brought up again. Um, mm. And this idea that they're both freaks. They're both in the same situation. They're both the same. Um, therefore, they should get along. Do I have anything else there? Yeah, and she's like joking with him uh, when she yeah, says this. Yeah, they've got some nice, like, you know, specific, yeah. back and forth. That's that. That's what I was talking about when I said they were flirting. There's a bit while they're on the phone, I think. Oh, in the scene where Dean says that he's proud of Sam for standing up to Dad and admires that about him. As Sam asks if Dean is hinting at anything about needing help, and Dean says, I'm not hinting anything. Actually, uh, I want you to know, I mean, don't think. And Sam says, yeah, I'm sorry too. So Dean didn't actually say anything, but Sam is kind of picking up on reading between the lines. Um, and Dean says that he was right and he has to live his own life. And Sam's like, are you serious? And Dean says that, uh, you've always known what you want and you go after it. You stand up to dad and you always have. Hell, I wish I, 
anyway. So he doesn't finish that sentence either. I admire that about you. I'm proud of you, Sammy. And they agree to go off their separate ways in a really sweet way. Yeah. Yeah. I really like that That's scene. Good. We've got some actual communication, which doesn't happen face to face. I think it's easier for them to talk about this on the phone. We've already covered most of the rest of my notes, so I'm going to skip ahead. But mm -hmm. uh, while Dean is getting tied up and left in this orchard with Emily, he yells, I hope your apple pie is freaking worth it. That's an iconic Dean line. Oh, it's yeah. So cute. Uh-huh. Really um, this is. is also the first time we get Dean and pie juxtaposed, which becomes like a running theme and kind of yes. a fandom joke. This was... <laughs> This was a uh, in the wiki article for this episode that that's a thing mentioned in the trivia. Is like this is the first time we it mentions Dean's love of pie, which is which is actually going to be relevant in season just, one finale which, maybe. I don't know. It comes up again as uh -huh. like a plot point. Well, Christ. also the finale. Don't even say that. <laughs> uh, I swear you're doing it on purpose. Yes, now. I did do it on purpose. <laughs> Uh, this is the first, I think we might be the first episode. I say that a lot. I go, I think it's the first. Um, I could be misremembering, but this seems to be the first time that Sam saves Dean. We've been kind of keeping track of Dean saving Sam. This time we have a nice little reversal mm. there. When it, when Sam it's saves true. him, Dean says, that's my boy. I think that's adorable. That's so cute. It is very <laughs> cute. Like, I, yeah, Dean's very happy to see him genuinely. And my final note for this episode is that Meg is also following her father's orders. Yeah. Yeah, good parallels there. Um, oh, touching on what we talked about in... Oh, in episode two, talking about Wendigo. Um, so episode one of where one we talk about this hierarchy. kind of yes. solidify doing yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, where we talk about this hierarchy of um, belief systems as being mm. more true or more legitimate. Um Dean says a pagan god anyway. Like he says a god, a pagan god anyway. Yeah, what the as fuck if like does that mean? him being a the, the the scarecrow being a pagan god somehow makes him less of a threat than like, I don't know, the god. <laughs> yeah. And why would you say Which Dean doesn't believe in anyway? Why would you say yeah, it's so weird. A god. It, it's, it's really a weird. A pagan god is what he says. Pagan just means uh, it doesn't it doesn't make sense weird phrase yeah well it's it's especially weird because in the next episode we yes. like finally get kind of yeah. a look at dean's he does not believe in god yeah. so i feel like he would He's be fallen he for the trap more legitimacy of, like, christian dominance like secular christianity yeah. like he he doesn't it believe in like the god he would, but he, he would still take... believes that the god is more important yeah. than a god why does yeah. why um, does he think that the name of God and like a Catholic exorcism rite will stop a demon. Then is what I'm deeply curious about. Like I want to know what Dean's explicit cosmology is in his head. This will get touched on. Okay. I think we will talk three. about all sorts of um, fun when we things. Start getting into that stuff. Yes. Um, but so also we fun. have evidence in later episodes that human belief does kind of shape things. Also, we've talked about how the ghost's belief talks mm. um, does things. So like how in one one the pilot, mm -hmm. uh, the the ghosts has to just uh, frame it to herself that her victim is being unfaithful. So assaulting Sam works. So like yeah. or with what we talked about with Bloody Mary also one five with the the ghost's belief does change things so if the for sure so, for so sure. This, this idea that either the worshiper or the god has to think of things in a certain way so if um if the demon believes that latin works on it then it'll work 
So because Christianity right, I guess, is like, set where does up that belief as come the from? holy language, so like I, this is my take on Dean's take is that it doesn't actually mean anything because God isn't real, but since it's presented as real, it works. Hmm. Right. I get like I want to know what he thinks demons are then, because if demons, oh, we we'll like, talk about this next episode. Cosmologically speaking, are fallen angels. Three and four. If God doesn't exist and angels don't exist, where did where did demons come from? Well, okay. Sam literally asked that exact question. Next episode, we talk about that. We will get there. um, It's also... Right, I forgot about um, that. I just want to point out that Judaism doesn't believe that demons have anything to do with angels, so Jewish Dean agenda wins again. Mm, Fair. Fair. Jewish Dean agenda. Um, This is really tiny and stupid, but I noticed it um, at the end of the episode when Meg is using her her cup of blood cell phone. um, She stirs the blood counterclockwise with her finger. I will say that in witchcraft communities, uh, counterclockwise is used for negative right, energy, right, right. clockwise is used for positive energy. I don't know if that was intentional Probably. or if it just happened like that, but it, I noticed that and I was like, hey. That's fun. That's a cool nice. detail. Uh-huh. I was very specifically, I was like, what what direction is she going to stir <laughs> that blood? Um, that's it. Yeah. I like the song. It was a little on the nose. It's great. It was, I love it. It's a good song. So, oh, I can't wait to talk about fucking next episode. <laughs> Go again. I mean, nothing's stopping us. Are we done with this one? <laughs> uh, nothing's stopping us, Emma says. I feel like we we hit the big the big moments. We talked about the mm-hmm. Sam and Dean arguments, which are the plot the important plot things. We talked about Meg. I guess like the final wrap up on this episode. Like I overall enjoyed it. I particularly liked the brothers being split up. I like the Meg stuff. I like the hints that we were getting mm-hmm. at the broader plot. We heard John. We heard and saw John, which we, I mean, we did before, but like, this is the first time he's talked to the brothers on screen. Um, not in a flashback. And, uh, I don't know as much as this is basically the wicker man slash American gods. I didn't, I did enjoy it. I felt like the, mm-hmm. uh, I felt like the aunt and uncle being willing to sacrifice their family and the idea of like, sacrificing for the greater good and this like fucked up little community uh is interesting thematically for the relationship between the brothers and their dad and like family in general and i guess meg and her weird blood dad um yeah Uh, yeah i think this episode does a good job of combining a basic monster with a weak plot with some bigger um themes and plot Mm -hmm. also the scarecrow is good i talked about this earlier but always love a dude in a suit Love a fucked up, stitched up mask. I, I it never explained the fact that this this Vanier apparently possesses people's corpses. That's how it continues to live because it was the body of that guy. I think it like well, st- I yeah. thought they were like stitching their skin. Oh on. no, you're right, you're right, you're right. That's why he's covered in stitches. So I guess he's it just, just steals their, their skin and covers it. Yeah, right, right. But it doesn't talk about that either. That's no, like just a side detail, express. I guess. He's got a scythe, presumably he. Peels I like them. that. I like that it's. Yeah, I like that that's left kind of subtle. You're just like, well, I guess that's what's happening. Yeah, they didn't give mm-hmm. us any over-the-top expository dialogue for it. So yeah. it feels or like like, reason why it does yeah. that. But yeah, um, with that, we'll have a little break. And then we will finally talk about Faith, which we're all vibrating to talk about. It's such a good episode. It's so much. So 112 Faith opens mid-hunt. The boys are chasing after something. Dean calls a rawhead. 
I don't think it ever comes up again. It, oh, no, I, I looked this up, actually, and it shows up. It does, it does. 14, I believe. Um, and so they're hunting this thing, and in order to kill it, they have, like, a taser that's set to 100,000 volts, which seems kind of excessive, but I guess if that's what it takes. Um, they go into the building. Ch- Sam saves some children that apparently the rawhead was, I don't know, targeting. And so he takes them out of the house, and Dean... That's what they... They eat children, apparently. Yeah, Dean is fighting this rawhead, and he's in a puddle. This basement is, like, really unsanitary. And so he electrocutes the thing, but because he's in a puddle, he also gets electrocuted, which I think we could have seen coming. And so the electrocution has triggered a heart attack, and the doctors decide that he has a month left to live. Like, at the at the outside. Um, so Sam calls John. I really like this cold open. It's very scary. Just briefly. Um, it's it's a nice change from the typical monster of the week. Uh, yeah. Cold open. I like that it just starts in media res. They're in the middle There's of hunting this monster. There's something going on already. Yeah, it was nice. Um, Sam Sam calls John to tell them to tell him that Dean is dying. We don't see him getting a response. Uh, Sam does some research and takes him to what he calls a specialist, which turns out to mean a faith healer in the tent in like Nebraska. Dean is really skeptical about this. Uh, Sam. Uh, Dean says that Sam believes enough for both of us when he meets Layla, who's a pretty girl, so Dean immediately forgets that he's dying and starts flirting. Uh, Dean keeps making uh-huh. little sarcastic comments, and the Reverend uh, Lagrange, I think is his name, Roy, uh, hears him and calls him up on mm-hmm. stage to heal him. He's picked him out of the crowd. The Lord picked him. And Dean says that he's not much of a believer, and the Reverend says, you will be, son, you will be, which makes me crazy in the context of the larger show, but we will get to that. Um, Dean collapses on stage during the healing and sees some strange old man standing behind Roy, Um, and then it turns out that he's fine, so he's healed. Um, The doctors are like, yeah, I guess he's just fine. Um, But Dean says that it felt wrong, so he wants to continue looking into it, and the doctor mentions that some other young guy had a heart attack, uh, just like Dean did, right? And died of it. Mm-hmm. And so Dean goes to interrogate Roy and his wife, Sue Ann. Roy says that he was blinded by cancer, and he and Sue Ann prayed for, about it. And so he was saved, and now he has this magical ability to heal people. Sorry, not magical, this religious ability to heal people. Yeah. And so Dean says, why did you <laughs> save me? And Roy mentions that he has a purpose. He has, like, this larger plan that he hasn't finished doing um uh i just need to say that when i realized what the plot of this episode was and that someone else had died in order for dean to live and he would have to deal with that now i wrote down let's go <laughs> so so <laughs> very excited. on board this dean angst train oh yeah is that oh love this episode so sam is investigating this other guy who died marshall and discovers that the clock stopped at the time of death, which is, of course, the same time that Dean was being healed. Um, Sue Ann tells Layla, the woman who um, Dean has talked to outside the tent, that Roy is resting, and Layla's mother gets mad that um, he Dean was healed instead of Layla, who's been coming so faithfully all these, I don't know, weeks or months. Um, she has an inoperable brain tumor, and that is why she keeps coming. She has six months to live. And Layla's mother asks, why do you deserve to live more than my daughter? Which is severely fucking Dean up. Um, Sam has checked the list of healings, and someone always dies when Roy is doing his healing at the same time and from the same symptoms. Uh, Sam is apologetic because he didn't know that Roy was doing this fucked up thing, and Dean is upset that his life came at the cost of someone else's, as Wyatt foreshadowed. And so 
we mm-hmm. watch Roy do another life for life swap where he heals some old man of his I don't know lung issues and some young woman collapses of the same not breathing problem. Um, this is my favorite scene in this whole show good. so far. The scene it's fucking really whips. That the whole time, it's like, don't fear the reaper starts building up in the background as the it's boys like, are. Don't fear the reaper. Yeah, it is. It's don't fear the reaper by Blue Oyster Cult. Not hold on. The, I don't. Yeah, it is. Uh huh. No, it is. Hmm. That's the song. I like that song a lot. I recognized it immediately. I do too. It's in a different episode in season. No, one. it's that song. What? You are okay. We're doing this, I guess. It's "Don't Fear the it's Reaper." It's transcript it's a reaper says it is the lead into "Don't Fear, fear the, the reaper, reaper" by Blue Oyster Cult. Begins yeah. to play quietly and gets gradually louder. Who the fuck are you talking okay. about, Ash? Tune find. Tune find confirms. Okay, Ash, you're just on. wrong. I'm just gonna go to Netflix and see for myself. You're just. Wrong. I am. It's... I believe. I believe you. No, I am admitting to being wrong. I just want to know what was going on in my brain that I did not recognize. Well, it's not the chorus. It literally got so... stuck in my head, and I had Alexa play it for me. So. Like, when you said that, because it's weird that the Don't Fear the Reaper is used in a later episode in this season. Well, I, I mean. Or, like, next season. It's, it's a so good song. Really it makes confused. sense that they use it again, I, I think guess, they use the chorus in a different episode. It is a good song. That's why it doesn't sound the same. Yeah, they use it in Something Wicked This Way Comes, go. 118. Um, now that we got that sorted okay. out, the way they build up, like, the way that... The like, because don't fear the reaper is a really long build up. So they start playing the build up mm-hmm. as they're investigating, and as we watch this healing happen, and then when the reaper shows up and the brothers realize it's a reaper, the like the lyrics cut in and it it rules. It's so it's good. I want to like shake the hand of whoever had this like decision for how to like shoot and frame this scene and intercut between the three it's different so things happening. It's so good. Oh, so on that note, Who directed this episode, this episode was written by Sarah Gamble and Raoul Tucker and directed by Alan Croker. Um, Sarah Gamble, I think I, we caught our, my mention of this in episode one, but she wrote um, uh, Dead in the Water. She's very good. She's also mm-hmm. Jewish. Another um, very good episode. Which makes this episode very interesting to talk about, but I will get to that later. Um, so as we said, Dean decides that it's a Reaper, not the Grim Reaper, but a Reaper, which is apparently a category, mm. uh, same as a ghost. Stamp your every culture in the world bingo card here. <laughs> and Sam recognizes the symbol in the book from the church tent. So Dean suggests killing Roy to stop him, and Dean, sorry, and Sam is like horrified by this because you can't kill people, that would make you the same as him, blah, 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 mm-hmm. and suggests instead breaking the spell. And so, again, they pass this guy in the parking lot who's denouncing the fraud, and Sam finds a book of black magic. Sam has this cute little detective moment here for you, Wyatt, where he discovers, like, there's no dust mm-hmm. on the shelf, and yeah. so he finds this book of black magic. Yeah, so, yeah, I wrote that down. I really liked that. To bind the Reaper with, uh, like, a collection of clippings of articles of victims that are, you know, quote-unquote, immoral. So the one who died for Jean was an openly gay teacher, uh, the one that we just watched die was an abortion rights activist, and uh, the, there's mm-hmm. also a clipping of this protester from the parking lot who is apparently going to be the next victim. So, I need to say real quick, it's very funny to me that they didn't immediately suspect the uh, Roy's wife more than Roy, because Roy's blind. Like, he could still do it, but the book is very much not in Braille. <laughs> At the very least, she would have to read it to him, or he would have to get someone else to read it to Subtle him. Hints. He can't read it. He can't see. Um, mm-hmm. So Dean tries to stop Layla from getting healed because he knows that what it will cost, and he can't really tell her so much because it would sound crazy. 
but um, he's trying to convince her not to go up on stage when Roy finally called her up, and she doesn't take his advice because this is her one shot at life, and she goes up on stage, and so Sam tries to run away from the Reaper with David the protester, and Dean calls fire so that the tent empties and Roy has to stop his healing. Um, but the Reaper doesn't stop coming after David, and so Dean realizes that Sue Ann is still in the back praying, which means that she's controlling the Reaper. She calls for help, and the Reaper vanishes because the spell was interrupted. Um, Sue Ann says that she's not going to press charges, so everyone is super friendly, everybody's fine. Um, Dean and Layla have a little goodbye talk, because she's so disappointed that she, that he ruined his, that she, that he ruined her chances, um, Mm -hmm. and Roy tells... Layla's mother that he is arranging a private session tonight to heal her. Um, Sue, Sam calls Sue Ann evil, and Dean says instead that she was desperate. So this kind Sue of Anne, difference of um, trying to uh, this difference in framing of um, yeah her her initial actions to save Roy by binding a reaper, and then she continued to do it for other people that she perceives as immoral, which is less good. <laughs> um, yeah, is this is this around where the line yes, "God save us" is exactly from half where the that comes up in my notes? That was the next is, sentence yeah. out of my mouth. Dean says, "God save us <laughs> okay. from the people who think they're doing God's work." Pivotal moment. Um, Dean feels horribly guilty Good and line. hesitant about stopping Layla's healing because she's such a nice girl and she's pretty and she has six months to live, and you know maybe it's worth it. But you can't yeah. do this kind of thing. Like she deserves to live, but not like this. And so Sam talks him into stopping it anyway. Dean distracts the cops, and Sam goes into the house um, to try to find how Sue Ann is doing this. Dean escapes the cops by apparently climbing an RV in, like, one second flat. Uh, (laughs) Very silly. Without Um, rocking it. Sam finds the altar that Sue Ann is using to bind the Reaper, and Dean is marked as the next victim. And Sue Ann traps Sam in the cellar as he flips the table over, and Sue Ann calls it God's will, even though it's clearly portrayed as her will. Uh Um, The lights go out next to Dean as the Reaper approaches, which is very scary. Um, Sam breaks Sue Ann's amulet as Dean starts to die. Like, Dean is, like, visibly draining of life, which is also a really cool effect, but uh, Sam saves him in time. So again, we have Sam saving Dean, and then the Reaper instead goes after Sue Ann and drains her. Okay, hold on. Um, you skipped over the sickest one-liner in this show so far, which is, my God, what have you done? He's not your God. Oh, that was a good one, yes. Uh, I was definitely going to talk about it because it's okay. an example of religion in this episode, which I am pumped for. Um, like, I felt like the uh, I felt like the who, like, yeah, I should have played over that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, sorry. Oh, hey. <laughs> sorry. Sorry, I, I'm okay. just sorry. I'm yeah, like, we'll pause. Go ahead. <laughs> okay, so it is "Don't Fear the Reaper," but on Netflix, it's "Death in the Valley" by Death. What? Riders. Okay, that explains it. I was like, I, I was like, the this is too, not fucking. I didn't think that was it. Sorry, Ash, yeah. for gaslighting you. It's also interesting that they use Death Riders again in season one Did because they, they also use that song by the Death Riders. Don't fear the Reaper. That's what this. I, I posted a Reddit thread. It looks like. Damn, that sucks. That sucks. Indication. Say, I mean, I I don't know that song. Maybe that song is also good here, but they, that like it's good. Uh, the usage of "Don't Fear the Reaper" here is so good. I Wait, have you the, watched it? Wait, Wyatt, you DVDs, watched it on Netflix? Because I can't watch it on Netflix because oh, I'm in Canada. So we literally and had I, different experiences yeah. of the scene. Okay. 
Emma, did you watch it on Netflix? I did. I'm just very gullible. <laughs> That's I can't believe you fucking teamed up on me like this. <laughs> We were both right. It's fine. We were both right. We were, you were both right. I'm sitting I here listening wrong. to it like this is not fucking Blue Oyster Cult. I didn't think so either, but I was like, the script says so. I just believe things That's I read. That's so wild that they changed the music. I have to... I have to go like run around or something. I fucking I can't believe this is happening. To I'm me. So, I'm sorry. I feel gaslit. You're not gaslit because I was also right. We are both being gaslit yeah, by the CW Supernatural. I think I gaslit myself. <laughs> yeah. No, I gaslit you is the thing. That is what happened because you did watch the one where you did you and Ash had the same experience. I actually yeah, gaslit you. Like I, it wasn't like you convinced me. I was just like, yeah, that right. sounds right. <laughs> anyway, so Sam called Layla so that she came over to say goodbye. Sam heads out to like grab a soda. Very cute, obvious excuse to get Dean and Layla on their own. Yeah. Um, Layla tells Dean that the healing failed because that was when it was supposed to be going after Dean, and uh, tells also tells him about Sue Ann's death, and they talk about that for a little bit. And then they have a little conversation about Faith, and he says that he'll pray for her, and she says that's a miracle, which is so cute. Mm-hmm. Um, and we will talk about that further probably more. Uh, the the choice, um, shout out to Sarah Gamble, the choice to have the parallel be, like, after Dean, someone died to heal Dean at the start, and Layla being the character set up as you know something tragic is going to happen with her. The fact that the sacrifice, the chosen sacrifice for her is Dean is great great parallels it removes any alibi of like oh we could maybe this is the maybe this is a person we could let live maybe we could let it happen just this once but then no it's dean and we cannot do that and it exposes like the hypocrisy of that idea especially because now it's a character we care about it's really good yeah imagine if dean died that would be crazy (laughs) (laughs) it's very messy in a in a good way this episode's fucking great Oh, this episode's so mm. good. This, this, this episode is I very good. I think this good. is my favorite episode that I've seen so far. It's mm-hmm. an incredible episode. I'm just thinking over strong. all the past ones. Yeah. Once we're done, I'm going to go watch that fucking scene because like, it's so Skin's good. My, Skin was my favorite. Skin's still like my second favorite. Again, both uh, Sarah Gamble... Did Sarah Gamble write... No, Sarah Gamble wrote Dead in the Water. No, that was John Chabon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but yeah, Skin, close second to this one, but I think this is my favorite. It's really good. <laughs> It's so good. Um, this is the first serious, like, near-death experience for either of the brothers. Yeah. We've had them, like, in mm-hmm. trouble, of course. They've gotten, like, you know, attacked by ghosts and stuff. But this is the first time that, like, there's a deadline. He's going to die, um, which um, is nice. By the way, serious brief, <laughs> brief folklore, cor- folk, mm, folklore corner. Uh, the raw head is a uh, British, um, uh, like, monster. Um, was a tale parents told to their children, like, watch out or the rawhead will get you. The rawhead's also known as Bloody Bones, uh, or Tommy Rawhead, which is very British, very, like, British monster <laughs> That's name. That's the most British monster I've ever heard. It's great. Um, yeah, it was, Bloody Bones was originally, like, a, like, water demon. Uh, I, very, uh, big similarities between, uh, Jenny Greenteeth. Um, as like the also very British monster name. I love Jenny Green Teeth. Shout out to Jenny Green Teeth. Um, as a thing, like keep away from like the water or the raw head will get you. Uh, but also there is a like in America, 
Uh, they were uh, like the Rawhead and Bloody Bones were interchangeable a lot of the time, but America, the story began to break off a little bit more, and the Rawhead was one thing and the Bloody Bones was the other thing, which uh, the Rawhead was a skull that, like, I guess flew around, it's vague, but, like, would bite the skin off people, and then Bloody Bones was its dancing headless skeleton, which is great. I love that shit. So yeah, that's what, that's what a Rawhead is. And apparently can only be killed by electricity, even if you're standing in a puddle, and should probably know better. Um, at the hospital, we have uh, Dr. Berkowitz, which is nice. Jewish representation. Woo! Uh, we also have a black doctor, so that is some nice character of color who is not a cop and doesn't die. Um, Thank God. <laughs> you have to take these things where you get them, I guess. <laughs> this is such a bad show. Uh, and then while we're at the hospital, Dean, who is aware that he's dying, has this very sad conversation with Sam, where he's, you know, deflecting oh, about how bad yeah. daytime TV is, yeah. and then Sam presses him to actually talk about the fact that he's dying. Dean says that he should look after the car, or I swear I'll haunt your ass. Uh, he says that he drew the short straw. He's, like, super resigned to this in a way he's that, again, so he's accepting of it. miserable. It's... He's 26, and he's just ready 26. to die. Okay, like, I, I know I keep calling forward, but, like, Dean's suicidal ideation... Mm is something that we get addressed in an episode in, like, season two, I think. And then, like, never again, like, as explicitly as it is in that episode. And it makes me insane. Whoa. Makes me insane. And this right after Chilling Asylum, on the bars. Or not right after, because we had Scarecrow in between. But, like, Asylum, where Dean tells him to shoot him. And then Sam just... Yeah. Uh, and then Dean just lying there, ready to die. Miserable, I mean, in that case, horrible, in that case, again, that was a gambit on his part, is how I read it. So it didn't get it me was, as but much. It was, but, like... In the context of this conversation... Sure, sure. No, absolutely. <sighs> Poor little Meow Meow hours. Oh, yeah. speaking of, he looks <laughs> miserable. He looks terrible in this episode in, like, a really good way. The, the, Jensen does the, a like, really good job did. of selling the, yeah. like... Yeah. He looks... Pain. He's, like... Yeah, he is extremely, like, sick this episode. Um, yeah. It's, uh... They it's, did it's really rough. good costuming and lighting and whatever. He looks awful. It's great. Um, uh... It's pointed out that he's only wearing one layer. He's in, like, a hoodie. He's, yeah. like, stripped down from, like, his usual mm -hmm. t-shirt, shirt, hoodie, whatever. Jacket. I, mean, I think Dean should wear a hoodie more often. He's cute. Yeah. He's very cute, except that he looks like he's on death's door. <laughs> yeah. Um, on Sam's phone call to John, he says, don't worry, I'll do whatever it takes. Uh, like, he's reassuring his dad, <laughs> who apparently never brings this up again. Like, he didn't even pick up the phone. Yeah. He didn't answer the voicemail, nothing. Dean is dying, and John just does not give a shit. Uh, like, in case There's you were wondering so if this is brought up again later, not really. So John just did not <laughs> take this call. He's like, eh, they'll figure it out. This, Sam's like, don't worry, I'll do anything. This is like the... F <sighs> I don't want to call ahead too much, I'm going to not spoil, but... This, like, it becomes a meme in the Supernatural fandom of Sam and Dean just continuously, like, dying and sacrificing each other for each other. And then, like, get, they get they throw Cass in the mix and fucking Crowley and fucking just everyone sacrificing themselves for the Winchesters, including the Winchesters. Especially and this the is the first time, especially the Winchesters, <laughs> this is, like, the first time that we get, like, a hint of that and then it just gets ramped up in season two and I'm... I'm going insane. I have four yeah. and a half hours of sleep in my brain. I'm going insane. Uh, so the reason that Sam knows about this specialist healer is through John's friend Joshua, which I think is interesting, this idea that 
uh, Sam has reached out to the hunting community to, to find a way to save Dean. Um, briefly, I joked about the bingo card earlier, but they do the every culture in the world has some kind of grim reaper, which or has some kind of reaper, which like is not true. The especially the <laughs> so reaper thing, there. the grim reaper is very specifically a like archetype that grew out of the Black Death as this like way for people to like symbolize and metaphoricalize. Um, that's not a word, but who cares? Like. People dying, people dying literally by the droves being compared to someone with a scythe cutting down wheat, just like bringing it down by swaths like that. That's the thing. It's a very explicit uh, reaction to a specific point in history for Europe. And like, yeah, sure. Other cultures like have like psychopomps have things that like well in fact that's the thing they should have called it a psychopomp because then i would have believed it more as a thing that as a, a being that carries souls off uh into the afterlife that's more common but calling it a reaper specifically just upsets me also usually psychopomps are like comforting figures like valkyries or like uh that's that's the first one that comes to mind but you know yeah, well, we get more of Reapers throughout the show mm. um, mm -hmm. for various They become reasons. a staple. I see. They're one of the very few creatures whose lore is stabilized and that we see a lot. Um, All right. Yeah. I did like the Reaper, though. I wrote down it's mm -hmm. very... It felt the most like a Doctor Who creature out of everything that they've dealt yeah. with so far, yeah, especially in the suit. It looks like yeah. the silence a little bit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Stephen Moffat copying <laughs> Supernatural. <laughs> wow. Uh, the, that being said, the old age makeup was a little bit much. Um, mm. it, it looks like a Halloween mask. Uh, it does, but, but I wasn't like put off by that. I think it's good that it looks a little no. bit fake. Yeah, that just feels something like... Is, it means it feels like something is wrong, it. you know? Like something yeah. is off about this guy's face. He's, it's very uncanny val valley, but when you compare him to like the other Reapers, who are all just people... Uh. Um, anyway, uh, the Halloween mask thing aside, I think the actor, I don't know who the, who it is, but I think, like, the actor does such a superb job. Like, the mm. way the Reaper moves, mm, his scary. presence is just so good. Like, the way he just slowly chases after the guy yeah. in the parking lot is Alex so Diacun. good. I don't know how to pronounce that. Alex Diacun? Yeah, I don't Diacun? know. Go off, King. Um... And his little smile when he kills Sue Ann, oh, it's just so good. S so good. Uh, favorite part of the, one of my favorite parts of this episode is the Reaper. Uh, I just think he's yeah. such a cool. Yeah, he's very good. Did an excellent oh, apparently this guy plays, like, Gaunt Man in uh, X-Files. <laughs> very good physicality from this, uh, from this mm -hmm. actor. Well, he plays the devil in, also in the X-Files. Yeah, this guy's a lot. This Some guy's Alex Jones. Vibes. Yeah, this guy's like big X Files actor. Apparently, he played a lot of characters in the X Files. Good. Um, uh, for Dean, I'm, I'm still skipping my notes on religion, but uh, there's a while Dean is after Dean is healed, uh, they say there's nothing wrong with your heart, no sign there ever was, and uh, Roy says that he looks into his heart. So Dean asks, "What you see?" And that's where he tells him about the important purpose. Mm. Um. And the the sign, there's nothing wrong with your heart, is a line that makes me crazy because, specifically mm -hmm. because of the juxtaposition of Dean against this guy just like you, who is the guy who died for him, who is openly gay. Like, one of the most explicit yeah. 
uh, gazing mirrors. <laughs> like the fact that it was his heart. You yeah. know, like it wasn't, he, he he didn't have a brain tumor mm -hmm. like Leela, like Layla. He didn't have any, like he could have been dying of anything and it was specifically his heart, uh, which is not, you know, devoid of metaphorical significance. Nope. Um, couple small things. Uh, really like the jazz piano in this episode that was playing, uh, during all the mm -hmm. faith healing stuff is very good, especially mm -hmm. near the end when the action was happening, like the Reaper was going after Dean, mm -hmm. the jazz piano was still playing. Uh, there's some really good juxtaposition there. Um, the for some reason, did y'all notice that the signs were shaking inside the tent? What was up with that? I did not notice. Okay. I mean, it's a tent. The walls could shake. No, but they were bit. like it looked like someone was behind them, like wiggling them around. I don't know. Hmm. At the end, there's a bit where towards the end, rather, there's a bit where. I think Dean says that it didn't feel like doing the right thing and Roy doesn't deserve this, um, yeah. which is a nice little insight into the gray morality of their actions at all times. Mm -hmm. I do kind of wish we got like a little bit of Roy at the end here because the mm -hmm. Roy is such an interesting character and I wish it had been, that had been explored a little bit more of this person who genuinely thought he was doing good work and healing people. Like, unlike a lot, f fuck faith healers. Uh, generally, mm -hmm. yeah. they're just manipulating people to get money out of them, which is what they think Roy is doing. Uh, but, like, mm -hmm. this man literally thought that he had been given a gift by God to heal people. And learning, I mean, I guess he never learned for sure, but, like, losing really that power. Just, suddenly his power stopped yeah. and then his wife died. Well, his wife died, yeah. But, like, having that happen and, like, uh, it's it's really interesting to me. I, I would imagine that he kind of had a crisis of faith yeah. because, like, all of this horrible stuff happened. And it's like, well, how do you reconcile that yeah. with the idea that, like, God supposedly practiced this miracle on you and gave you this miraculous power and then took it away and then took your wife away? Like, how do you reconcile that as a Christian person? Like, that's, like, difficult. Like, that's kind of baked into it. Like, you have to consider impersonal you because um, none of us are Christian. Mm -hmm. But, like, <laughs> he would have to consider, like, what he did to deserve that. Yeah. Um, so... I just, I think Roy is such a tragic character. Big agree. Mm -hmm. um, I really liked the set on this episode. It was so the, rainy. It was great. Th it was so <laughs> very, rainy. I love the very tent, episode the again. extras. This is yeah, my the home. The extras do a really good Deep job. Deep affection I love... for the rainy, muddy, <laughs> like, gray clouds constantly. That's my life. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I also really like the, like, parking lot, how it's just... Mud and tire mm -hmm. tracks and uh, campers and trucks. So it's a very All the extras episode. do a really good job. Yeah, it just feels very real to me. Um, this tent pitched outside of this house on this large property. It just, it's really good. Um, it felt really real. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay, here we go then. I want to preface this <laughs> by saying that typically the term Judeo-Christian makes my skin crawl. Uh, it's often used in ways that conflate Judaism and Christianity and typically uh, misrepresents Judaism in the process. This, like they, It gets used in phrases like the Judeo-Christian belief in hell. We don't believe in the same hell. That's simply not accurate. Um, so normally that phrase is uh, disingenuous. It is not a good word for most of the cases it gets used for. I'm going mm -hmm. to be using it specifically in this podcast for the sake of saying um, Christianity when it gets used in this show, because this is largely, as I've said before, it is largely created by Jewish people. Uh, Eric Kripke is Jewish. Sarah Gamble is Jewish. This episode is 
about a specific kind of Christianity, but approached by Jewish creators. So that's what I mean when I say Judeo-Christianity. I'm talking specifically about Christian uh, iconography and theology as, appro as approached through or by Jewish ideology. Um, I'm not going to be talking using the word Abrahamic because, uh, as the Wikipedia page uh, explains, if you want to go check sources for that, um, it erases uh, non-big three um, Abrahamic religions. Abraham Abrahamic typically gets used to mean like Christianity, Judaism, Islam, but there are other Abrahamic religions that are not being taken into account when you use that word to use just those three. Um, so I'm not going to be using that phrase, but Judeo-Christianity I think suits my terms. I just wanted to clarify how I'm using it because I'm not using it the way it usually gets used. Uh, yeah, and also like another big criticism I've heard of Judeo-Christianity is, is like you said, the big three, it cuts Islam completely out of the picture too. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, so as far as I know, there isn't Islamic influence in Supernatural. I could be wrong. It could come up later. Uh, um, as far as I know, it is um, predominantly Christian ideas. Do they ever deal with a, a jinn? That Jewish feels like ways. a thing that they... A... Yes. Okay. Oh, that, that yes, they do. And they do a terrible job of three, it. I think. And by great, I mean bad. At but... least I'm pretty sure it's a terrible job of it. He's a white dude covered in blue oh, tattoos. So. Yeah, we'll talk about it when we get there. Um, yep. In the meantime, though, uh, so this is a very specific uh, kind of Christianity in this episode, right? Like the faith healer in the tent, which is usually a scam. I mean, listen, yeah, I'm, I'm, I would say always a scam, right? I don't want to kind of. Make I think that like, thing, but personally, <laughs> from a from a from a from a non deontological point of view, it's it's even if the people doing it believe in it, it's still fucked. And a lot of people die because of that, because they think this is what will heal them. Uh, this is will this will be the thing that heals them rather than like actual medical treatment. Although, and I should say also, um, while faith healing is not specifically an America only thing, it is a very big thing in America, especially for poor people thinking that this will be what saves them because America's medical system is fucked. And so a Thank lot of the times Canadian. people can't like pay for like medical bills and this is this they feel like this is their only recourse like this is what they have to put their this faith the in because they literally cannot afford anything else. And also American Christianity instills a distrust yeah, in yeah, in institutions. Um, literally other than yeah, the literally church. any institution other than mm -hmm. the church. We could do a whole podcast on uh, <laughs> <laughs> all the fucked up things about American Christianity, but we're talking about supernatural. Yeah. Yeah, let's not do that. Um, <laughs> uh, so the the stage setting, the set dressing for this tent, I think is really cool. There's like Bible verses on the walls. Um, the they're like prayers. They're all you know joining hands and whatever. Um, it's called a place of worship on their way in. Uh, Sam says maybe it's time to have a little faith. And they have a little conversation there that I have a note to check the transcript, so we'll get back to that. Um, Roy's speech is focused about God. And he says that I didn't pick you, Dean, the Lord did, which, again, makes me crazy in context of future episodes, <laughs> seasons, but um, it's just very, you know, kind of deflecting responsibility in, like, typical faith healers, but also in this episode, specifically, Roy does genuinely believe that he is called upon for a higher purpose, and um, this idea of belief and, you know, godliness as being in control of the scene. Do we want to swing back around to the transcript just while we're on this section? So we're not like jumping sure. back and forth too much. 
Yeah. Let me find this conversation. Is this where Dean's like, I can't believe you brought me here to see some guy who heals people out of a tent? Oh, this is the this is the evil and good conversation, right? Oh, yes. Thank you. That is the scene. Uh, Sam says, maybe yeah. it's time to have a little faith, Dean. And Dean says, you know what? I've got faith in reality. No one was really going on. And Sam says, how can you be a skeptic with the things we see every day? And Dean says, exactly. We see them. We know they're mm. real. And Sam says, but if you know evil's out there, how can you not believe good's out there, too? And Dean says, because I've seen what evil Great exchange. people. So good. Like, Banging really my head formative the for their ideas of faith between these two brothers, where yeah. Sam believes that there is bad, therefore there must be good, and Dean believes there mm-hmm. is well, only bad. Well, and Dean is addressing, like, a fundamental, like, religious theology question of the problem of evil here, of, like, I don't believe that good exists because evil exists and good would have stopped it. Mm-hmm. Which is obviously not exclusive to Judaism, but is also a conversation that comes up a lot in Judaism. Yeah, I was um, going to say very... <laughs> Jewish Dean agenda. Christian Sam moments. Um, Don't say that. Don't send them. <laughs> um, um, I'll come back to this when it comes up yeah. later, but the, there is um, subtext, at least, or like vague textual support for the headcanon of Jewish Mary and not necessarily Jewish John, mm. um, where uh, it comes up with her maiden name. So we'll get to that when we find out more about Mary's backstory. But um, this idea that if Mary was Jewish, then John probably didn't raise the kids according to, like, her heritage, right? Like, they don't know yeah. much about what mm-hmm. life was like with Mary. Um, I'm trying not to go off completely about this, but basically the idea that, like, the boys, if Mary was Jewish, then because Judaism as an ethno-religion is matrilineal and gets passed on through the mother... The boys would also be Jewish and um, in kind of like kind of lost their connection there because they lost mm-hmm. Mary. And so they they don't have very good relationships with religion. And so Dean, who knew Mary for a little bit, has kind of this uh, much more skeptical view of religion where he doesn't think that it's real at all. And Sam, who doesn't have that connection to Mary or her potential Judaism, believes that religion could be real but doesn't believe in judaism right he has like he goes to churches to pray type of idea mm-hmm. right where he, there's this gap between them that is strengthened by i also the want to say here family. classic dean moment they have this very serious conversation and then uh layla says maybe god works in mysterious ways and dean just spins around smiles brightly says maybe he does i think you just turned me around on the subject which yeah classic dean See, pretty sure he's using this flirting as a way to deflect away from this conversation with Sam so he can ignore it and not talk about it anymore. One thing that's interesting, I just noticed in the transcript, the sign at the entrance apparently reads, Welcome All Faiths, True Believers Revival. I noticed that. I was like, hmm, that's interesting. Huh. Uh, So when Dean says that it felt wrong while he was being healed and he saw this old man... Uh, he says, well, excuse me, psychic wonder, but you're just going to need a little faith on this one, which is kind of ironic considering that Sam is yeah. the one who's been having faith this episode. Um, so I wrote that down because that was a nice little reversal. You're going to need faith in Dean. Yeah. Right? Like, as opposed to in whatever godly power Roy's supposedly yeah. tapping And like into. I mentioned last time, the the faith discrepancy, not the discrepancy, the disagreement between the boys is the other way around in the previous episode with uh, them talking about faith in their dad and Dean yes. being the one to have faith and Sam being the one to uh, doubt. Yeah, so so Sam doesn't understand Dean's blind faith in John and Dean doesn't yeah. understand John, Sam's yep. blind faith in God. 
uh, which is ex- extremely neat. Insanity-inducing. Uh, Layla's mother refers to Dean as a stranger who doesn't even believe and says she just can't pray any harder, which is, I think, a very oh. sad line. Like, she's we... doing her best to heal her unhealable daughter. You know, she's doing all she can, which is just praying. Um, before I forget, since this is not, like, something that needs a conversation, there's also um, another character of color, speaking character of color. Uh, there's a... The, the guy that Sam interrogates about Marshall yeah, is black. Which, uh, he doesn't die, but his purpose is to give the plot. <laughs> so mark yes. that on the spreadsheet, I guess. I have marked that on the spreadsheet. I think there's also this really um, interesting... I've been using that word too much, but it, there's this very interesting kind of juxtaposition between like Christianity and magic, where uh, Sam just pulls a tarot card out of nowhere and says that priests and magic have some kind of connection to tarot, and... Uh, black magic and Christianity are kind of combined in this um, reaper binding spell. Like, it's being used by a Christian for the sake of uh, supposedly Christian uh, ritual, I guess, the healing situation, um, but using black magic to accomplish it. Um, I have read, not in a while, but I'm pretty sure tarot just was just, like, a deck of cards that wasn't it like it wasn't created for cartology i believe that is correct yeah yeah like it was just like a bicycle deck it's no more or less connected to black magic or magic of any kind uh than like a regular Um, solitaire deck the uh tarot as a as like as the occult uh is like a Mm -hmm. 1700s thing okay so here i found the quote where Sam says, a tarot dates back to the early Christian era, right? When some priests were still using magic, uh-huh. and a few of them veered into the dark stuff, necromancy, and how to push death away, how to cause it. And Dean says, so Roy's using black magic to bind the Reaper? Because they still think it's Roy doing it. Um, but this idea that tarot is black magic, and this uh, black this this um, faith healing is black magic being disguised as Christianity is very interesting, this like darker underside. There's a lot of really funny like just the really funny like misinformation surrounding tarot as believing it to be like inherently dark when it's literally just used for cardamancy which you can use a solitaire deck for yeah. you can use number stones like, well it all i mean it all comes from like that like post uh post renaissance mm-hmm. like people getting like re-getting interested in a uh, like yeah in uh, like quote unquote ancient mysticism, which was actually just made up bullshit. Yeah. The um, <laughs> yeah. tarot as like the occult came from the belief that the tarot cards and their meanings were derived from the uh, the Book of Thoth. The way it was used a lot of the time by occultists in the uh, in the 1800s was like saying like, Oh, this is from the book of Thoth. Like this, this stuff that I'm using right now, this is my like citation that I'm using. And actually they just made mm-hmm. shit up yeah, or like misinterpreted that stuff. Like B- Britain's obsession with ancient uh, Egypt at that time period, th- there's a whole lot. Mm-hmm. Go read, uh, go read Orientalism by Edward Said. <laughs> It's kind of like the the Ouija board, how a Ouija mm. board was literally just a game in like the 50s, I yeah. think. And now it's believed to be like inherently satanic yeah. or like it opens doors and you literally can't close them again. Like Kings, it's a Hasbro toy. Yeah, it's I'm literally. specifically about ghost adventures. Yeah, like the same panic as like D&D as being satanic. Um, this, this idea of 
black magic and Christianity being intertwined in this episode also comes up when uh, Sam finds that little book of the spell that's binding the Reaper and says it was written by a priest who went dark side. Oh, sorry, real quick. Uh, 1890s, by the way, for uh, the Ouija board was created commercially by a man named uh, Elijah Bond. Okay, Victorian era. Um, I, I learned a lot about Victorian era occultism during my horror class, which we will not talk about right now. But, but it is fun context for how it gets. Yeah, supernatural yeah, continuing to be wrong. Gets, yeah, how it gets filtered into the public consciousness as like a piece of culture that yeah. has all of this implied age when it none of nope. it is true at all. And I could have a I could go off so much on this, especially like all the mm -hmm. shit that Victorian occultism has done to the way people think about pre-Christian like religion oh, God, and no. belief and stuff. Mm. We're not going to do that here, but boy, I could go off about it. So back to ideas of uh, God and faith in this episode. I've got like a list of quotes here. Um, they talk about how playing God makes them a monster in my book uh, because of c attempting to control life and death, which is kind of ironic coming from the Winchesters, but we will get to that. Um, <laughs> Dean tells Layla, I just need you to believe me, which is a nice, interesting word choice there when he's trying to convince her not to get up on stage. This idea that she should have faith in him is the same situation he's putting Sam in. Um, when they save David from the Reaper, David is the protester in the parking lot. Uh, he says, thank God. Uh, I thought that was worth calling out. Sue Ann, when she decides not to press charges, says that the Lord will deal with him. So again, like putting forth this front of like the, you know, the good Christian who believes that God takes care of everything. Um, the cops say that they're going to put the fear of God in Dean. And so when he comes back to distract them so Sam can get in the house, he says, you're going to something like, you're going to put that fear of God in me. So, like, specifically using that phrase again. Uh, Sue Ann uses Latin in her ritual. I think that's also interesting. We have this idea of, again, like, Latin as the language of religious ritual, mm -hmm. um, which I, I discussed earlier in this episode when we were talking about the different ways that belief shape uh, the metaphysics of this show. So, mm -hmm. like, Latin is the language for this kind of thing because of Christians using it as the language. Mm-hmm. Um... Sorry, I just put this in the chat, but since there's a pause, did we learn anything about the that cross that they were using, the the one with the circle? Like, I feel like I've seen that before, like in other contexts, but it looks like it's a Celtic cross. Oh, which Wikipedia says is a form of Christian cross featuring a nimbus or ring that emerged in Ireland, France, and Great Britain in the early yeah. Middle Ages. Yeah, because the ring um, is the is the halo is the halo. I believe. Yeah, scholars have debated its exact origins, but it is related to earlier crosses featuring rings. The form gained new popularity during the Celtic revival in the 19th century, um, and it became popular for funerary mo monuments and other uses, and has remained so spreading well beyond Ireland. Yeah. So that's so, probably what they. Yeah, if it's related to funerary probably, rites, then that could be its mm -hmm. supposed connection yeah, to the Reaper. That yeah, makes sense. That's what I assume. Since its revival in the 1850s, I'm reading off the Wikipedia page still, the Celtic cross has been used extensively as grave markers. So again, this connection mm -hmm. with death. Yep. Supernatural kind of doing something right for once. A like, I get, the, I get the symbolism there. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. That's interesting. And then again, we have a shout out again to the line where Sue Ann says, my God, and Sam says he's not your God. This idea that mm -hmm. she's doing Christianity mm -hmm. wrong. Yeah. Well, she is literally, like... She is doing, doing... it wrong. She's using black magic instead of yes. actual faith. Well, and is also doing the thing of, like, I can't fucking quote the Bible, but it's, like, do, <laughs> like... To, what's the thing? Look after your own, like, situation before you... 
before you like judge others etc etc and she's literally being the arbiter of life and death here she believes it's her right to decide who is worthy to live and who is worthy to die yeah but she also calls it god's will so it's not even necessarily that she thinks that she should have this right she thinks she's or so says that she thinks that she's performing god's will on earth right by being like his messenger to do this you know which is again i think a really good criticism of christianity just in general with um ideas of like um oh fuck missionaries um and this this and we have a lot of the time people justify their horrific actions by claiming to have been told by god um uh this happens in supernatural um it there's an episode that that touches specifically on this sort of thing um with an angel rather than with god uh like the god but um so i think this is definitely something that supernatural like looks at a little bit yeah i mean as i said it's largely jewish and we are familiar with Mm -hmm. christianity's horrors let's put it that (laughs) way Uh, there's a bit at the end where dean and layla are talking where we have like the start of or not the start because we've talked about this already but another example i guess of kind of john being parallel to god which is nice as, like, larger themes. We're going to talk about that a lot. Uh, Where Dean says, it must be rough to believe in something so much and have it disappoint you like this. Um, Yeah. Dean is constantly being disappointed by John, who doesn't show up when his son is dying, and Dean doesn't stop believing in him. And Layla says that faith is even when the miracles don't happen because, you know, God in mysterious Mm -hmm. ways, etc. But um, Dean says that he'll pray for her, which I mentioned in the synopsis, but is, like, stuck in my head right now. Dean doesn't pray, right? Yeah. Like, that's what he says. He's not the praying type, uh, which is nice little character development over the course of the show. Uh, this is where we first get, like, established that Dean is not the kind of person who prays a lot. Um, but for her mm-hmm. sake, he's willing to, you know, give it a try just in case it works, you know? Mm-hmm. He, he doesn't really think God is out there, but he's, you know, hedging his bets a little bit yeah. more than Yeah, Layla's really interesting in this episode as sort of, like the con like a contrast between her and sue ann as someone who Mm -hmm. is like involved in this but like genuinely believes it and like has faith and not in the sort of transactional way that her mother does of like oh we've been going Mm -hmm. to every single one of these like what's the point if we don't get rewarded and whereas layla is a lot more like no this is like this is what we do like we have to have faith even if we don't get what we want here. You like exactly the line. You can't mm-hmm. just have faith when the miracles happen. Um, yeah. yeah, there's a, a line. I should have looked this up before the pod, but um, there's a line from Jewish. I don't know what the word to put here is uh, history, I guess, because the rabbi said it of um, it kind of spawned a sect that misinterpreted this line and took that as like their founding tenet. But um, the line is in uh, Hebrew or Aramaic, but I'll look it up one second. Okay, this is from Torah.org. Apparently it's from Perkei Evos, uh, chapter 1, Mishnah 3. I will cite this in the post, but um, the this is a translation, so I don't know how accurate it is to their initial words, but the mm. point is, the line is, uh, do not be a servant who serve the master to receive reward, rather be a servant who serve the master not to receive reward, and let the fear of heaven be upon you. So this idea of, like, you do it even yeah. if you don't get anything out of it. Do you have more, M? I'm thinking about it. I'm percolating. Um, yeah, I think it's interesting that that this 
like it's again like i said before this this um idea is not like unique to judaism the idea of being a good person for not the sake of reward is not like specifically jewish yeah but um it was written or co-written by a jewish person and i think that the fact that the uh probably the most sympathetic character in this episode specifically um puts forth this idea is interesting like she's presented as like this good christian who like has genuine faith um and good christian meaning good person um is like Mm -hmm. interestingly muddied yeah in this episode so most of the things that drive me crazy about this episode are in hindsight and therefore i can't talk about them without major spoilers but i don't think it's a spoiler to say that this episode this episode this show eventually brings in angels right yes and i i won't say more because i don't know how much we're allowed to spoil but the fact that like zine doesn't believe that there is anything good out there comes back and mm-hmm. this episode uh is really good also, for calling back uh, to not only that he doesn't believe that there's good out there but that he doesn't deserve it when good things happen to him yeah he's like why mm-hmm. me which and is that's also all i'm gonna say th- this idea of like why why save me is very pivotal mm-hmm. to dean who is why save ready to die and doesn't like himself very much more. yep rattling the yeah. bars I'm literally staring off into the distance right now. I can't form words about this Hands episode. Hands flapping, trying not to scream. <laughs> Supernatural is the most show. Mm-hmm. This will be a fun... I, I feel like we'll probably be calling back to this episode a lot going forward. Consider this one of our touchstones. <laughs> yeah, this seems like pivotal Dean thesis moments. See, this is why... This is why when we finish, I think we should watch the Supernatural anime because it's seasons one and two. So we'll watch seasons one and two again in a different context. and It'd be fun to talk about that in hindsight. Uh. This is like the fourth time I've seen this episode because I watched it the first time I watched the show. And then Mm. when I started my rewatch after November 5th and at some point to find a specific screen cap for a post I made. So this is number four. Nice. And it hits just as hard every time. It's such a good episode. Literally. It's very good. This is the first time that it's like actually hit super hard, but that's because the first two times I watched it, it was like, yeah, this is supernatural. <laughs> and I was not thinking about the Dean thesis. <laughs> All right. Well, final thing, just a little, little fun actor fact, uh, a couple of them actually. This whole time, I like didn't trust Layla at all because Layla is played by the actress who plays Darla in Buffy. Uh, this here's our this is our ah, first Buffy actor, uh, Darla hey. being a vampire who would play like nice like innocent young woman in order to eat people, uh, and she is extremely she is playing the first half of that uh, in this episode, but not the not the second half, and so the whole time I was like, wait, is that Darla? It was it was funny. <laughs> Um, but no, you're, yeah, she is like the emotional core of this episode. Um, and also the guy who played the rawhead, the stunt actor, Nicholas Harrison, uh, genuinely seems like a very cool guy. He wrote a book about the history of stage, stage combat in Canada, uh, and does a lot of cool theater stuff. So yeah, look him up. He's, he's an interesting fellow. But, uh, yeah, with the actor facts down, I did my folklore corner earlier. Um... I think it's about time to wrap things up. I think so. Yeah. Uh, next week, it's finally here. Episode 13, Route 666. I'm so excited to talk about that episode. Uh, we also have Nightmare. Um, and then episode 15, The Benders, which I just think is an interesting, fun episode. Until then, 
rate and review us on the podcast platform of your choice. Yeah, we're not on as okay. Pulling back the curtain here slightly, we record a couple weeks in advance of when these episodes come out, so we have a buffer zone. Uh, as of date of recording, we are not yet up on iTunes. Hopefully, when this episode is out, we'll be on iTunes. So if you're listening to this mm-hmm. on iTunes, please rate and rate and review us on there. Appreciated that very much. Mm-hmm. Um, you can follow the show. Lots of different podcast platforms do not allow us to put links or descriptions on yeah. our episodes. So you can go to the Podbean or you can also go to the Twitter or Tumblr to find uh, the links to the content warnings for the show, all of the references yeah, all the we show use, notes. Um, all the show notes, etc., etc. Uh, if you're checking out the blog, that's again, same handle as Twitter is Word of Godcast. If you're checking out the blog, there's a list of all of the platforms you can listen to us on. So you can check that mm-hmm. out if you're currently listening to us on a platform that is not your preferred yeah, choice. Yeah, um, and if you have any questions or comments, please email us at wordofgodcast at gmail.com. Uh, I think we talked a little bit about, like, maybe if people send in questions, if we get enough of those, like, doing a season wrap-up, like, when we finish and answering mm-hmm. any questions people send in. I don't know. If, if you want us to do I that, send us questions. Because we're recording in advance, but you can try. You can also you can also submit asks to the Tumblr, too. Yes, anonymous asks are on, but it's a group blog, so we can't accept private messaging. But you can send anonymous asks yeah. to the blog. The logistics would be you gotta you gotta send us questions, and then we'll we there's a cutoff date before we would do that episode. Mm-hmm. But if there's more immediate questions, uh, feel free to submit yeah. them to the Tumblr. But I don't. Just in case. I don't know. Covering yeah, my can, ass here. You can ask us all sorts of places. You can tweet at us. You can do all sorts of shit. Mm-hmm. But uh, until next time, this has been Word of God. Thanks for listening. The Last Ones by Jazar on freemusicarchive.org. Licensed under an attribution share alike 3.0 international license. Find a link in the episode description. <laughs>